Hey everyone, Double G from the Fight Game Podcast and Fight Game Media. We're doing a $25 Amazon gift card giveaway. Hi everyone, it's Justin Draper. I'm the editor of FightGameMedia.com. Five stars on either Apple or So this week, unfortunately, Fumi Saito had computer audio issues, so we postponed write that down until next week. Okay, we'll be back next week, don't worry. But in its place, I'm back with a special edition of High Tension that we recorded on YouTube. Unfortunately, audio version with a very special works. guest, Mr. Chris Samza, statistician for the New Japan English broadcast team. Make sure you also subscribe or follow head of sportpowrestling.com on Spotify and Apple also Fight Games Jeremy Feinstone. Uh, we went into great detail breaking down both Thank nights of Wrestle Kingdom now, this year, delved into topics like the current creative state of New Japan and all the programs they have going on and why or why certain programs didn't work um yeah keep listening we'll <laughs> there's more than two hours of talk on that we get very into detail on that we get into detail on where the company may be headed creatively in 2022 uh we talked about the news of new japan returning to access tv we discussed the upcoming noah versus new japan show in yokohama and the new uh, excuse me the noah invasion angle on night two of uh, wrestle kingdom uh and of course, of course, everyone's favorite faction in all of modern pro wrestling 2021, 2022, and beyond, House of Torture. Oh, yeah. You know, we talk about that. So, without further ado, let's get into high tension. All right. Yo, what's going on, YouTube? Thanks for joining us. It's Wrestle Kingdom week, Wrestle Kingdom 16, uh, just finished. Technically, a couple, a couple hours ago, we're on the West Coast. Uh, Chris, you're in the uh, in the Central Time. So let me introduce everybody first before we get started. I'm here with uh, Fight Games, Jeremy Feinstone. Hi, Jeremy. Hello. And I'm with the Super Stats Man. Uh, you probably, if you were listening to Wrestle Kingdom this weekend and you were listening to the English broadcast, you're probably hearing this guy's name quite a bit from Kevin Kelly. This is Sport of Pro Wrestling. This is Chris Samson. What's up, Chris? Hello. Thanks for having me. Always happy you had to talk. a lot of work to do. I, yeah, I had some work to do. Um, luckily, there wasn't a New Japan show since Christmas Eve, so I had like 11 days to pull it all together. So um, got to spread this one out a little bit. This one, not quite like the G1 where I'm I'm uh, firing off emails uh, twice a day. Oh, yeah. Well, were there any uh, standout stats that you picked up uh, before before sending in your stuff to Kevin and the gang? I thought one of the more interesting pieces was that um, so when you go to the Sonata Ocon match and you kind of look at it and you say like, why? Right. Just because it's an LIJ United Empire thing. And it was like, well, no, those are the guys who had the most like wins in New Japan all year, like one number one and number two. So, um, you know, when you factor in tag matches, singles matches, the whole the whole shot, like those are the top two guys that won the most. Um, So that I thought was. It, it fit. It fit the reasoning. It gave a reason for that match to exist. So that was kind of the, the I guess, the most obvious like, kind of nugget that I pulled together that um, made sense of something that was seemingly meaningless. Yeah, New Japan, I, I find, tends to do that where if you're kind of questioning the logic behind it, there usually is some sort of uh, connection between a lot of the matches. And a lot of the matches, I remember... I don't know how um, like in front 
of the the story that people were on this, but TJP and Clark Connors, it's not, you know, they, they mention it on commentary every now and then, but they consistently, you know, they were uh, a mentor mentee thing and they had matches and they had a tag team match. And then they did the, uh, the heel turn this year with TJP. And if you tech, if you want to go back and look at how they pieced it together, it, it, there is like a logic to it always. So I think that's one of the kind of things that I like as a dork is finding these little uh, nuggets in the canon where uh, it makes sense. Even if it's uh, like a minimal, even if it, you think it might be uh, not so um, important, it makes it feel important because it's that detailed and does kind of help the illusion and it helps you get into it. I also I noticed that uh, during that match, Chris, they also mentioned, I think it was Kevin Kelly said, it was, Sonata had the most matches of all of anyone on the roster last year. Yeah. Yeah. It was Sonata. And then I think right behind that was like evil. So, but hmm. yeah, Sonata actually, I, I got to go back and look for sure, but a couple years running, he's kind of the iron man. Um, hmm. He wrestles, he wrestles the most matches. Um, he's on all the shows. He goes on every tour. You know, you rarely see a tour where Sonata's not there. So, um, and especially when he's, he's being highlighted, which he really wasn't last year. Um, but he was, yeah, 133 new Japan matches. Um, and I don't, I don't know that Sonata would have worked anywhere else, but, um, yeah, so that's, that's a big piece. And, and obviously evil was featured heavily last year and looks like that's going to continue. We'll we'll get to that. I'm sure. Actually, let's get right into the show. We'll start from uh, night one, which feels like kind of a long time ago now. But yeah. um, it started off with the, the traditional, the New Japan Rambo, the kind of Royal Rumble type uh, pre-show deal that uh, New Japan has been doing for the past couple of years. It's always, some people hate it, but I always kind of have fun watching it because you never, it's, you always see a, a legend or two, a couple surprises. Um, I mean, Jeremy, what did you think of the, the, the Rumble started, the Rambo starting off? Um, any thoughts? Uh, so, by the way, the stipulation with this is that once there were four wrestlers left in the ring, that means that those four would go on to the King of Pro Wrestling four-way match on night two the next day. So, Well, I got to preface that with uh, starting these shows is always a little bit hard to, to get right in and going. So when I, when I tuned in, I saw Sima in the ring already and i was like okay there's things happening we have sima in the ring now we have suzuki uh yuji nagata everybody was in there and i was looking at him like okay we had all kind of talked about suzuki as this uh likely suspect if it didn't work out in one of the other matches that he might show up and you know what it was exactly the right call he's the right guy to you know be in a match like that, get everybody's attention. And it was, it was a fun way to start the show. Chris, what did you think of the rumble? I keep calling it rumble Rambo, Rambo, Rambo. John Rambo. Um, yeah. what do you think? Any thoughts? Um, I, I do kind of long for the days where the, the Rambo was entirely meaningless. Um, the KOPW <laughs> stuff, like it does like add a wrench that, um, it's fine. I mean, it's just as fun. Um, but I, I liked the, uh, I like the idea that literally anyone in this ring could win this thing. Cause it truly 
didn't lead anywhere, right? You didn't get anything for winning the Rambo before. Um, There was one year that Cheeseburger was so close to winning. (laughs) I was actually there. I was there. I remember that. I was, that was, um, I forget exactly which one it was, but it was the Wrestle Kingdom where, and that Rambo match, Michael Elgin won it. But where I was sitting, I was in the like nosebleeds, like me and my then girlfriend and all these like younger, like salary men. They just got out of work because it was like four thirty, five o'clock when that goes on. Like it's the pre-show match, especially back then. It's all light. And they were pretty loaded already. Like these guys were excited and they were screaming and these guys were screaming their heads off for cheeseburger. A lot of the arena was just, you know. They wanted Cheeseburger to win this damn Rambo. Uh, so, so like what your point is, Chris, like I do miss that too. That kind of, it's almost frivolous, but it's also really fun too, because it's right. going to get so serious later on. But uh, it's not like frivolous in an offensive way. No. You get to see the great Kabuki shows, uh, Scott Norton. Yes. That was always fun. But again, the, the circumstances are different, so... We, uh, yeah, and I, I don't mind them. I mean, this is a perfect use. It's a perfect use case for the Rambo, right? If you're not going to do something fun like that, you do something, I guess, fun in the, in the other way. So, um, but yeah, uh, the final four here, the winners, Chase Owens, Toriano, Suzuki, and Shima. I mean, that's a little bit more interesting than I think a couple of years past or last year or, you know, the other things that they've done with KOPW. So um, it did... You know, just adding really, truly adding Suzuki into that mix. Um, and, you know, obviously we'll talk about what happens going forward, but um, adding Suzuki in that mix, into that mix is something that I've been an advocate for um, as mm-hmm. I've had conversations about what KOPW could be. Um, so yeah, I'm pleased with the ultimate result here. Yeah, Suzuki is somebody who seems like he can handle any situation, whether it's, you know, a comedy situation or, uh, more serious uh, catch style or, or whatever. So yeah, that does make, for, at least in my opinion, feels like it's more uh, relevant, the King of Pro Wrestling thing than it was last year. Um, yeah, like we mentioned earlier, Ashima, the like, technically a freelancer right now, although he works for the new company, uh, it's called Glate, um, which we saw across that they even uh, showed the name of the company on the Tokyo Dome marquee, which is very interesting. It's a very new company and him and his strong heart fellows, if you remember them, uh, they'll be popping up soon. Uh, and I guess, you know, I, I, the thing with Shima is that he's, he's one of those, uh, what's the word? He's, he's like, he's not a desperado, but he's always on his own doing his own thing. He's got his guys with him, but he's not, uh, he's not with one company. It seems like, so he's a journeyman journeyman. Yeah, exactly. So, And I, I think when we talk about Noah a little later, I think that plus uh, the integration of Glay and getting Strong Hearts to come in, I think we'll see more of that instead of seeing as much foreign talent as we have in the past, just because of current circumstances. I mean, I, I think we'll see a, a, a less adventurous booking uh, approach than in the past, just because it's hard to get people to come over from overseas to see more um, domestic, domestic based kind of programs and, and whatnot. So, yeah. Uh, also, uh, 
the macho dragon himself, Tatsumi Fujinami, showed up. Uh, New Japan absolute uh, legend. Absolute. No yeah. I, very surprising. Any any uh, uh, thoughts, comments? He looked pretty, you know, he looks like Fujinami in his 60s. Yeah. He wasn't he in okay. there for very long. Yeah. Wasn't in there for very long. He walked in there. You got the you got the vibe. You got the the ambiance feeling the fifty the fifty years. And yeah, Chris, what did you think? Um, I think he was integral to the finish, which was cool. Um, so they did involve him without uh having to throw him over the top rope, which is good. You know, you never like to see the old guy get tossed over. So but no, it was cool to see him. He looked good. He looked healthy. You know, he's still wearing his 50th anniversary robe. I mean, he can he can take that all the way as long as he wants to go with it. So even though we're we're out of the out of the his 50th anniversary year, but he looked great. So and it was cool. Very cool to see him. Yeah, and it's also speaking of his, you know, it was his 50th year, but it's also now it's January 2022. It's New Japan's 50th year anniversary. So um He's definitely a, a cool face to see uh, show up. There was also a, um, a video message from Antonio Inoki that was uh, aired earlier in the uh, evening. So cool to see classic faces. But um, mostly this was a lot of the current crop of New Japan, what's going on. And right after that rumble, we got into the Yo and show. So... I have some thoughts on this, but I'd like your thoughts on this first. So who would like to go first on the, on this one? Because now we're going to start talking about House of Torture. This is a, a, touchy, a touchy topic for quite a few people, quite a few New Japan fans. This was the first House of Torture-centric match. Um, yeah, I'll give the floor to you guys. What do you think? What did you think of this? I'll let Jeremy go first. <laughs> you know, it it's pretty clear that they have a plan for house of torture and it's not the most ideal stable to to build the ultimate evil act around because what they're, they're very westernized stable in a, in an Eastern Federation. And so I'm watching this match and it's, it feels like they're never getting out of third gear. They're just, they're doing their stuff and and these guys know each other. They they can go to fifth gear. They they know everything about each other and how they wrestle. And when the match was over, it just felt like it was laying the groundwork for more stuff in the show rather than it being its own story from start to finish. And I'm I'm fine with that. I just I I want the House of Torture to be a lot of setup and then have satisfying payoffs for the fugues rather than stretch it out and and expose us to it for longer than we need to because they're just trying to fill content. Chris, what did you think of uh, this opener? Yeah, I expected it to feel more like a blow-off um, with a pretty definitive win. And, and instead, we kind of got this kind of a flash pin um, and, and then kind of a continuance. So the match as it stood was fine. Um, these are not my two favorite wrestlers, regardless of um the house of torture stuff um i think i don't know maybe it's because i watch almost everything like i don't get upset at the house of torture stuff the way i see online it's just it's just part of the show now i know what's coming i know what's going to happen and then Mm -hmm. it's really just a matter of if it gets foiled or if they win right like and that but that's classic pro wrestling to me um so 
that was the case here. It, but I, I, I anticipated this being more of the end of Sho and Yo for now, even though I think they're going to end up kind of generational rivals, right? Like these guys, you know, they came up together. They were they young lines against each other, tag team for a long time, you know, great success in, in that space. And then, then this split. And um, I thought maybe this was, you know, Wrestle Kingdom, you figure maybe the end of the program, but that doesn't seem to be the case. I think they're going to go back to it again. But um, yeah, they, these guys can dance. And I, I, am, I am looking forward to seeing what their kind of blow off or final match together in this phase does look like, because I think that'll be the best they can do. Yeah, I, when, they, when they did the split, uh, I, I don't know exactly when it was. It was uh, like six months ago. Like midway it was through in the year. August, because I was in yeah. LA. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Resurgence. Okay. Okay. So, uh, summertime, they did the split, and Sho is kind of reinventing himself as this um, cartoonish heel. He's like a mini evil. He does this, the facial expressions. I call them the NXT facial expressions. Very kind of like, I, I'm not going to try to uh, mimic it, but he's still, I, he's like an actor trying to find his uh find his rhythm he's trying lots of uh, different facial expressions out but all of that stuff to me kind of it in some ways it takes away from the basic story of that you know they split and something there was something going on between the two like it's, it's hard to buy into like the reason show turned on yo is because of the house of torture stuff i think i i figured it would be more personal uh, that they wouldn't completely change their character. And I know they can do a really great match. I know both of them are very good. And for some reason, this came off flat in some ways. Uh, and, it, and it's a shame, too, because uh, if you guys watched the junior uh, Best of Super Juniors this year, Yo had a lot of great matches. Yo was, Yo was really good in that tournament. Yeah, and I mean, I, it definitely feels like they're trying to bring him back. He's out for a year after the surgery, and then there was the pandemic, which sucks. So there is probably a priority to get him back into the mix. And I think like the flash win, he got over a show kind of that. Plus, he was a finalist in the best of the Super Juniors. He's, you know, he's the real deal, too, just like show was. I think maybe that's part of the, the logic behind that. But um, I don't know. I just didn't do it for me. It was okay. I mean, if you, if you go into a wrestle kingdom and you're thinking like, this is the first match of wrestle kingdom, they're going to blow the roof off the doors kind of thing. And then they don't, you've had all these months of seeing this lineup and you're just like, okay, you, you, you earmark that match and you think, wow, these guys are going to, these guys are going to have a match. And then when you, and then when you see it and it doesn't live up that expectation, there's a part of it like, is that on you? Is that on the show? Like, where is it somewhere in the middle? And because you've seen these guys, like you like you said, just rip, rip show, rip the match apart, just rip shows apart, steal the show, whatever you want to say. And that that just didn't happen here. And maybe they're just they have a they have a, a date marked in which they're gonna blow this all off and this isn't it. But I just kind of thought it was going to be. I guess we'll have to keep our eyes peeled on what happens between these two. And I think some of what happened in the match, we'll, we'll talk about it later when we talk about evil and House of Torture a little more, because I'm sure it has a little more to do with that larger scheme, the, the larger scheme of things. So, 
Well, yeah. to, to just to piggyback off of Jeremy's point, I mean, Wrestle Kingdom 13 opened with Ibushi versus Osprey, right? So, like, right, right. that's an important spot. Um, right. And, and albeit that was the last one night Wrestle Kingdom, you know, we've had three mm-hmm. in a row of two nights, right? So that's a, a little bit of a different structure. But um, yeah, you do think the first you're going to go out there and someone's going to blow the roof off in the first match. Like, that's the whole point. Yeah. Get the get everyone hot. But when there's usually you know. they, they would do those uh, four way junior tag matches, just mm-hmm. uh, it was pretty, yeah, like regular. And I think maybe that was the idea to have uh, like an um, exciting junior match. But these two, they're, I mean, show is doing more character stuff. Yeah, it's a story match. Yeah. So uh, the only other thing I could think is that they didn't want to risk the most exciting match in this House of Torture Chaos feud being the first thing. And if they were trying to build up the tempo through the feud throughout all the magic in the show, I get it. I wouldn't have done this match first. Maybe the evil Tomohiro Ishii match first or something like that. Just get it out of the way. And then all the preconceived notions about how you think you're going to go. Because you could have done that match first if you're going to have it at all. And then everyone just, you forget about it. You move on and you, you have all the matches that you were more likely wanting to see. If, if I were making the decision, I would have made this the no DQ match instead of Kenta and Tanahashi. Mm. I think, well, we'll get to that because that's on night two. The, the weapons and uh, other things I was talking to you about, Jeremy, before we went on the air. But um, okay, we'll, we'll get back to that because it touches on uh, House of Torture and Evil and We'll have lots to talk about for that, but I mean, uh, next was a a six-man kind of preview match. Uh, There was a lot of that. Uh, This six-man, let me take a look. This was a a preview for the next day. Um, We had, uh, it was a bullet club. Kenta, El Phantasmo, Taiji Shimori. They took on the mega coaches, Rocky Romero and Yusuke Taguchi with Hiroshi Tanahashi. So uh, what happened in the match, uh, we saw Tanahashi lose his cool and saw one of the very few disqualification finishes <laughs> in New Japan history. Um, there's so much that that Red Shoes and the crew let slide, but when Tanahashi does it, you know, high standard. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on this? Anything special? I laughed. Yeah. Um, I laughed. I I got it. I understood it, but it it felt like, okay, when are we gonna actually watch Wrestle Kingdom? When are we right. this all felt like pre-show matches or like a run-up show at this point instead of the actual Wrestle Kingdom? There's not really much else to say. I'm gonna give the rest to Chris to kind of talk through his mentality on it. No, yeah, not not much more to say about it. I don't know that there's I I don't put too much thought into these types of matches, right? So <laughs> I, you see who's in it, you see what the interactions look like, and then you see what the finish is. And it, at least the finish was interesting, right? So it was something different. So I will, I'll give them that. So, but it was fine. It's just a match on the show. The only thing I had, the big, oh, the biggest problem I had, it's not really a problem. It's more, it's just hard for me to see or, or buy that uh, Tanahashi would of all the people who would get so angry at, at Kenta and, and go to town on him with the kendo stick, I feel like, I don't know. I just was, it's, it seemed a little bit rushed. This, this, uh, program, uh, not like it was bad. It's just, 
I really preferred the match they had in Nagoya somewhat recently, which was yeah. just more of a pro wrestling match. I think that, ma- that match was great. Yeah, I liked it more than the match they'd have um, the next uh, the next night, the hardcore match. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the weapons more when we get to that match. But yeah, it was a it was like watching a cork and hall match in Tokyo Dome. Uh, if you're familiar with New Japan, I mean, yeah, it's kind of, it's got the formula, right? It's got the guys who will face off in the future. They have their showdowns. They do you do a little dress rehearsal. You, you do some uh, fan service around the ring. You do fight in the crowd a little bit. Uh, whatever the finish is, that will maybe be somewhat of an indicator of what we could expect the next night or whenever the blow off is going to be. It's uh, no surprises. If you've never seen it, though, I'm sure it's great. And I'm sure a lot of the casual New Japan fans that were there at Tokyo Dome, like they're not talking about the product like we are. It's a little more casual. Just, you know, they're reacting to what they're seeing there. And, and that's, you know, that's it. They're not deconstructing it uh, as deeply as us on high tension. But uh, OK, but next is really for me when the show started to feel like, OK, we're uh, the show is underway. It was the Katsuyori Shibata return. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. And it was, so it was supposed to be a catch wrestling match against, uh, it was a, announced as X. It was a mystery opponent. And it turned out to be LA Dojo slash Noge Dojo trainee Ren Narita, who looks like a mini Katsuyori Shibata himself. Um, this was awesome. I don't know how anybody could dislike any of these things. Uh, the audible supposed audio uh, audio audible that was called by shibata when he got in the ring he grabbed the mic he smashed his head with it a little bit and he said essentially this is there's one more change to the match this is like a pro wrestling rules match are you ready for this renrita renrita was in his like full-on ki yeah I'm, I'm gonna do it mode and they beat the hell out of each other and Shibata won with a penalty kick, and he looked like he hadn't left the ring since 2017. He looked great. Yeah, he looked great. Narita looked great. Um, and I, you know, I hate to say deserving of such a big spot, but I think so. I think deserving of such a great spot. I hope this actually means he's back in Japan and he's on the roster now, too, because um, I think that he's an interesting guy to keep an eye on. But um yeah, I had been hypothesizing that Narita would be the the guy the, pretty much when X was announced, um, just based on the the story that they've run with Narita uh, for so long with him going with Shibata and then kind of adopting the look and some of the mannerisms and things like that. So I think this was a it was a really good way to put him in the spotlight too, even though this match was absolutely positively all about Shibata. And mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. He looked great. He looked he looked like he'd never left the ring. He looked like he can still go. Um I'm I'm also excited to see what happens with him. I don't know. Is he gonna be on every show? Is he doing tours? Is he just doing the big cards? Um, so that's kind of the, the curiosity going forward because now he's pretty much confirmed that he can wrestle. Yeah, Chris, I got to give you your props. You were, you were pretty, uh, heavily favoring Ren Narita to show up and I was really happy for you when, uh, you got that one, right? Cause analytics and statistics do in fact pay off my friend. <laughs> uh, I don't uh, even know if that was a, there was no stats around that, yeah. but you know um, enough about you, the company you, that you see it, you know, you, see, enough. you start to read between the lines. Yeah. Now that's what I mean by that. Like you have a lot more, uh, ability to read the tea leaves than most people do to see where things are going. Uh, with that, 
my excitement is going for the future with Shibata. The idea of him and Kenta coming up, uh, they're already teasing that in some way, shape, or form. And uh, the future looks bright for Katsuyori Shibata, and I couldn't be happier. I wonder if he'll uh, keep his position as a trainer type. Um, I know we'll see how that goes. That's probably, I, I don't, I don't know if there's like a, a long-term plan. I think some of what we saw was, Oh, like, like we were talking, but this is what Shibata can do. He can wrestle a regular match. He doesn't need, uh, you know, he, this is also with one of his students. So mm-hmm. it, it's a good example of showing how far he can go. Um, what else? there was one other thing about the Shibata? Oh, about Ren Narita. So, if you guys are up on New Japan Strong, it's a, again kind of back to what we were talking about earlier about like connecting the dots, even if you're not paying attention. Because Narita's been on that show all year and he was kind of pushed, not pushed, but like he, he developed. Got a, he got a title match. Yeah, I think the last match I saw with him was against Osprey on oh, yeah, uh, one of that the, too, mm-hmm. one of the mm-hmm. Philly shows, but. So if you look at it by match by match, he got a lot of bigger opportunities. He showed up on AEW. He teamed with Nagata. So uh, if you look at it and analyze the the story, the, the what's out there, it makes sense. If you're looking at it from a, like if if this is a quote unquote real sports company, then it makes sense that Narita would be the one to face Shibata. So. Excuse me. Yeah, it was great. And um yeah, that's it. And the uh, the president said he um President Obara said he wouldn't be punished for it as well. So I don't know all the details on that. I'm sure we'll find more out in weeks. Well, you know, we're 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 very pragmatic about how we're talking about this, but it was a deeply emotional moment. Uh, just to watch him come out there, uh, the fan, just watching at home at 2 a.m. in the morning, and you're just like, I'm feeling every moment of this. And it's very similar to when uh, Daniel Bryan returned. Uh, just that sense of you're seeing something you didn't think that you were going to see. I mean, you kind of hoped, but realistically, you, you, you knew the score. And with medicine and technology nowadays, uh, I wish the best for Katsuyori Shibata, and I hope that he has a prosperous career as long in the ring as he wants to. From what I know, I feel like that his situation has always been more like not his decision as much as the New Japan is divided up into there's the the New Japan Bushi Road camp, there's the TV Asahi people. And there's the uh, and the, like the Bushi Road itself, and then there's the New Japan mm-hmm. like the wrestling like operations people. So I there is a it's, it's not like some companies here where I don't know exactly how AEW works, but it seems you know there's like cohesion back say everyone everyone's doing everything kind of while even though people have specific roles, whereas that kind of three way division uh, of three kind of different companies own you know what I mean so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there might have been some kind of, you know, he thought one way and people in the other part of the company that make the calls, they thought another way. It's more about, you know, liabilities and things like sure. that. So, and, but like you said, it was emotional, especially it's it's cool that he could give it to his student. That's a very, it's, I think, maybe even more cherished in Japan is like the the passing of the torch kind of nuance, especially in sports sports settings it's really kind of looked at as a, a beautiful 
kind of, you know, just a, a thing that and we, we appreciated it too. It's just appreciated in a specific and deeper way that you could really see. You can see it in Narita's face, especially because he, mm-hmm. he had the honor of having that Tokyo Dome match with Shibata. So, so yeah, I, I want to see more of that. Hopefully, maybe we just see him over in the States. And I was going to say, it's it, the interesting thing will be when, when does Ren Narita beat Shibata? Right. Like if Shibata is going to be an active wrestler now, like that's the long play. Right. Cause they're, you know, they'll meet up again in, in God knows G1, New Japan Cup, you know, a- anywhere. Right. And it's going to eventually you're going to get to the point where it's going to make more sense for Narita to win, to win that match. Right. And then probably three matches down the line, he'll finally get that win and it'll, it'll mean something even more. So, um, but I hope that I hope that continues. I hope that thread stays. And, you know, we were kind of talking about earlier. I think that that's how this company works. So, you know, now that's something to keep an eye on five years, six years, seven years down the line. It is. But when you, when you wait that long, the payoff becomes that much bigger, that that more effective. Um, Yeah, we'll see. But like we were talking about show and yo earlier, that's something that, you know, before all this pandemic stuff happened, I expected them to stay together a little longer. I expected it more to be a slower burn, but like that. And also evil and Sonata, I felt like that was, that could have been a much bigger uh, um, kind of blow off deal, but and it's in their, the tendencies to play the long game. So I think in this case, especially the more traditional sense of it, like the sense of the style and the wrestling, I think we won't see any funny businesses. This will probably be a traditional long-term blow-off. So, yeah, we'll see. And it's funny because Narita's not the one from that core group that I expected to be in that position. Sure. When we were watching Shota Umino and mm-hmm. uh, Oka, he was part of that too. Uh, uh, Wato, Hirai. Hirai Kawato was his name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I thought th- those were the people I thought I'd see before Narita, but good for him. So this, uh, I think that's pretty much all on, on that. That was kind of like the halfway point to me. But um, next, it, it's like if you got, I think they took a break after this and they came back with Tomohiro Ishii and Evil for the Never Championship. And <laughs> excuse me, Shibata and Narita and Ishii and Evil, those are two. Polar opposites of like the wrestling scale or, or spectrum. Um, if if Shibata and Narita was traditional, like New Japan UWF style pro wrestling, Katsuri, uh, Evil and Ishii was a, a little bit of that at points, but a lot of Evil's greatest hits, I would call mm-hmm. it. I mean, within the first minute, I think we saw, I think the, the ring announcer was just knocked over. Like yeah. everything was gotten out of the way. He like rang the bell and then they knocked off the table. <laughs> yeah. And it was at a different level too. So he really went flying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So what's, what's the verdict on this? Um, so like we were talking about a little bit earlier, but when we go on stuff like Twitter, social media, see a lot of strong language i mean strong as in like like a lot of distaste for for this match and for house of torture and and the evil thing um i gotta open it up to you guys what are your just general thoughts on the direction so by the way this ended with evil winning in in a a kind of (laughs) deceitful way go figure 
No, I mean, it was, there was no, if you've watched New Japan over the past year or so, this was a, an evil match. This is how it goes. So, all right, guys, what's the verdict? I mean, I, from the, the minute the match ended, I had a one sentence review of it, and that was the who could evil match guest starring Ishii. And it, I was glad when it was over. I was really interested to see what kind of match it was going to be. And my, I was very deflated a few minutes in, just like you were saying, with the way that the match was going, the way it was designed. As for House of Torture itself, I, I understand the role that it has. I understand the purpose of the stable that it's trying to do. You have to create heels that you viscerally dislike in order to get your heroes over. This is that stable. They are doing things that will frustrate New Japan fans, both uh, native and stateside. Everything about it is designed to get a reaction. It is getting a reaction. I don't know if it's the positive reaction for kind of a heel heat, that kind of thing. Um, But I'm willing to see it play out. I don't hate House of Torture. I'm more ambivalent about it. I just understand the role that it has. Chris, how about you? Did were you so you said earlier you weren't as soured by this as maybe some other people seem to be? And of course, we're talking about the English speaking world. I, I can't speak for the New Japan world, New Japan universe, or whatever. But uh, yeah, what were your thoughts? Um, well, uh, my I guess I'll spin it positive, kind of, because that's kind of my thing. Um, it takes about six minutes for all of the House of Torture stuff to happen no matter when it happens. And this was only a 12 minute match. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's not like what, what I will say and positively and positively going forward, like evil is involved in a lot going forward. Cause he's involved in the never six man. He holds the never title, the never singles title, never open weight. And then he's kind of now involved in the heavyweight tag thing too. But what I will say about that is like, none of those are like top level main event. You don't, you don't usually see those main event big shows for new Japan. So if you want to keep evil, keep the evil stuff to a minimum or even be able to skip it, but still get, you know, main events like we got on these two shows, you can do that. And that's okay. It's not, it's not like the primary focus, I guess, of of new Japan, though. It's clearly some, they're going to keep going with it. And um, you know, but I, I do think that there's, I mean, everyone wanted Ishii to win this match, right? So like, mm-hmm. if, if nothing else, you've got this guy or this group or this unit that you can throw in there and nobody wants them to win. They're not cool heels, right? We're not talking about Jay White here, right? We're talking like, mm-hmm. no matter who you put against them, you want them to lose. Like that's, that's a win on the company side of things. Now, how they got there or where they're at with it, or could they tone it down a touch to make it a little more new Japan? Right. Because like, it's not like we've never seen cheating in new Japan, but like it's the style of cheating and like the long drawn out matches. And then you get the bump, the ref bump, and then you get, you know, evil to come in after 25 minutes. That's a lot different than after like five or six, or even just from bell to bell, which felt like this match was. Yeah. You know, when, like you said, it was kind of broken into the evil stuff for about six minutes, and then the other half of the match was, you know, a wrestling match. 
there were parts of this or moments where things got really good. And I know people will have their opinions on evil, but as a pro wrestler, I think I've watched a lot of his matches over the past years and you don't have to love him or hate him, but the guy is so, so consistent. Like he mm-hmm. never screws up. He looks like everything he does looks pretty much the same every time. And when you watch like a full G1 or you watch it two years in a row and you, like, it's pretty amazing to stay that consistent. He's definitely like a rock, not, not Dwayne Johnson rock, like a, like a state, <laughs> like a, a guy to hold uh, a company, not in place, but like you can rely on him because what he's doing, he has his shtick down. Yeah. Um, he's foundational. He's foundational. And I also should mention that to Jap- a lot of Japanese fans, he comes off as very cool and very fresh because like we're, we're Americans and we grew up watching American wrestling. We know the deal. We watch new Japan because it's an alternative to what's easy for us to watch or what has been easy. But in Japan, especially if they're WWE fans in Japan seem, there seem to be a lot of fans that they just watch WWE as this American thing. And that's, it. it exists in its own thing in its own like the bubble, like it's wrestling, but it's more like American culture. And to some people, that's very appealing, like cool. And uh, this introduction of traditional style American heel babyface wrestling. Yeah, like you said, Chris, like they do heel stuff. They, they It's like a, almost like watching a textbook, like because it's never ugly or bad or unwatchable, but if you're someone who watches a lot of wrestling, it can come off as repetitive. And, and kind of the reason why Western fans might want to escape and watch New Japan is because they want to see something that's not what they see every day on American television or somewhere else. So, um, But yeah, I think like him or hate him, I, I definitely feel like evil will be in the picture and a big part of things for a while. I mean, just look at last year. He was such a huge part of last year. Like he he was the guy, so it's uh evil and you know he's a guy who came up in the states. Like you remember he was in ROH for quite a while. Um, him, show and yo, I'm sure there are a couple others that have this. They get the American style, and that's the style that they want to bring to Japan. So, so yeah, I think sometimes we have to think about where we're seeing it and we feel this way because X, Y, Z, but in Japan, it is kind of like, it's the same thing, but it's flip-flopped and there, mm-hmm. there are reasons why people would like it or why it would seem fresh. So. Well, it is fresh. I mean, and that's part of why I think uh, Western or English speaking uh, New Japan fans are frustrated with it because it's, it's, something different in their cherished new japan right and like to be perfectly honest like i felt the same right i was like what are we doing here but i think moving it to he's always gonna have these moments where he elevates up into the main event right he had them he had the match against shingo earlier this year and those are you but those are the matches that really can establish those main eventers too and say like you def everyone definitely wants you to win this match and there's because he's won that title. He won that match against Naito last summer. Well, whatever, two summers ago, almost. Mm. 
Do you think he could win any of these matches? I don't know. I think all of this is like, there's a lot of good booking in -hmm. regards to evil, right? There's a lot of good booking in regards to evil. It's been booked really, really well, actually. It's just a matter of like the constant sameness is I think what is most frustrating. It's not like he's getting more and more creative. That's Jay White heel, right? Something Mm. different, some different way to win, right? We saw that all in the, in the Ibushi match last year on January 5th. We saw every way he's, he's won a match, you know, nefariously throughout that match. And, and it got audible gasps from the crowd and, but it kept getting foiled finally in this big moment and Ibushi won the match. So, you know, the, the absolute sameness of, of, of evil's matches and how he ends up winning them all is frustrating. And I think that's, what's most annoying about it for me is that like, you do know the rhythm and the cadence and where it's going to go. And I just wish it was just like a little different every now and then, um, to spice things up, you know, he's, he can still be a, you know, a dirty heel. It's just like, maybe bring a different weapon, even Dick. (laughs) (laughs) and but there's also the mentality that sometimes people come to the show to see the garage or to see evil shove somebody into the ring announcer some people especially fans that are in attendance like that's part of the show like they're going to see that too like i remember the ring announcer spots hilarious it's always, I mean, when it's done well, it's it's funny. It's very funny. It's I like mean, <laughs> I noticed the, when the show and yo were wrestling uh, night one, I noticed that it was lower than usual. And I immediately thought, wow, how are they going to do that with evil uh-huh. and Ishii? I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> like, you know, it's going to happen. I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's taste. It's, um, and also they're owned by Bushy Road. Bushy Road is a, a card game. They make uh, like cards and it's very like fantasy and they're trying to appeal to like young people of Japan. They don't want the, the idea, the Fujinamis or Shibatas. Yeah, we love that style. We, we love pro wrestling. But if you want to attract new younger fans, a lot of Japanese younger fans there, especially females, when they see that, the older traditional orthodox style, it's kind of like, oh, that's my dad's wrestling. That's old and that's boring. A lot of people view it that way. This whole resurgence, that's not a pun. That's just, it is a resurgence over the past 10 years in New Japan. If you look at Okada, Naito, Tanahashi, the flat, Nakamura, they had so much flash and so much more flash than the way Inoki, Choshu, Fujinami did it and approached it. It was just a different approach. And I think uh, somebody like Evil you're going to see characters like that. I mean, look at master Watto. I don't even know what he's supposed to be, but it's, it's a character. It's trying to appeal and, and find people through that entertainment part of wrestling, as opposed to the sports part, it's integrated into the, you know, into the product. So, yeah, we'll have more to talk about that. I'm sure. And that'll be something that all of us can talk about all year long. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay, the next match, tag team match, the the happy ending to Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi. They did it. They won the tag team titles from Dangerous Techers. And to be honest, I, I mean, I expected it to be fine, but this turned out to be very good. And Taichi, Yoshihashi both gave great performances. Two names that a couple of years ago, I wouldn't expect myself to say that, but hell yeah, they're great. 
I firmly believe that Taichi has been quietly doing good work and been unfairly maligned for the last couple of years, just off of the reputation of being lazy. And he hasn't been for a long time. It was to me though, was this Yoshihashi's greatest night of his career? Technically, yeah. This was the first ever big like a uh, New Japan title he's won. He's never won one of the top tier titles. This is it. Like at, this at Wrestle Kingdom. The whole deal. Yeah. Yeah. This he was had a moment. This was his moment. I mean, the tag team title used to be almost like a main event title. It's it's a big deal. It's mm-hmm. that junior title and, and the tag team title and not the junior tag or not the six man stuff, but the uh, that tag team heavyweight title in the context of Japan. That uh, hopefully you know, yeah, legitimate. I would say some more. I would say Zack Saber Jr. is fast and actively looking like more and more of a star every time that I see him. Hiroki Goto is 100% reliable every time that you see him. And Taichi is got to be changing people's minds. And Yoshihashi, good for him, man. He had injuries and uh, treated as if he was an irrelevant and not at the level of these other guys. And that is not what was the result of this match. And it, they all worked really, really hard. I enjoyed it immensely more than I thought I would. Hmm. Chris, you yeah, feel the, the same way? Yeah. I mean, the Yoshihashi story, um, it kind of, you know, this, either this or his big win of the Never Six uh, championship at Corkin, like that was huge for him too. Like that whole story was built around him. He beat a team that had Okada on it, you know, like that was, that was a cool moment too. Right. And, but that was mm-hmm. a little more, um, inside, I guess, cause it was just on these road tours. It was on the Cork and stuff. So this, this on the big stage. Yeah. This is huge for Yoshihashi. And to be honest, like, I think the dangerous techers tag team run is what elevated or what calmed people's criticisms of Tai Chi. Um, because the dangerous techers run all the tag stuff they've done has been phenomenal. Just like and yeah. different, and people have their own complaints about it, where everything feels like a tornado tag and things like that. But like I, those matches are fun as hell. So um, and they're great. And and Zack Saber Jr. big star. I think you're right, right. And this is something great for Goto to do too. So if Goto and Yoshiashi are going to be like the the prime or the yeah the primary tag team in chaos heavyweight tag team in chaos like that's cool i think that's good right i think that clears up bishi to go do you know keep dipping his toe in the never title or maybe the back in the u.s title picture right and obviously okada's got his thing and and yo's the junior for now and um yo and robbie i guess right so it chaos feels a little more like a unit because there's defined roles which i think is awesome and and um yeah i mean getting these guys the IWGP tags is is good. And honestly, it frees up Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr. who are really good singles wrestlers in their own right. So it's a, it's a win-win for me. Yeah, Tai Chi, ever since moving up to the heavyweight, I think he starts to make more sense. And I turned the corner on him, especially. I don't remember exactly when. I think it might have been two years ago. It was right when he had just moved up to heavyweight division. I think it was a New Japan Cup match. He had a great match with Naito. I think he has great chemistry with him. But I think the key to understanding Taichi, if you don't speak Japanese, if, is that to think of him as like a, as a Rudo, as, as a, a Mexican-style heel wrestler, because that's his background. That's a lot of his approach. He, especially when he was a junior, he, he was just being a heel. 
And I, it's, it kind of speaks to the, the evil topic we were talking about, about he often incorporated things into his style that aren't typically, you know, the, the quote unquote Japanese style that we've come to expect. He's not somebody you would think would be trained by Toshiaki Kawada, but he was. Um, another thing, it, it's hard to like, express it or articulate in just one sentence, but recently, especially when he's on the mic or when he's on commentary, he's very, he's very good and crass if, for Japanese. I guess not really crass, crass, but he's uh, enjoyable. Kind of, I guess I can't compare him to anybody, but maybe like Kevin Steen or somebody like Kevin Owens. Like he, he has a, he has the gift of gab or like CM Punk. It's something that when you hear them speak and you hear them crack jokes or, or make fun of people, you go, Oh, there's something there's a smart fellow over there. They, they, that's really, I think elevated his, his value in Japan. And I think, I think he's always should, should have been a heavyweight. His style is meant for uh, those big type of matches. And he, he can go and do the, New Japan style match too, as we saw that match towards the end too, um, it was intense. They really they punched the clock hard for sure, and and they all went out. Techers especially they went out on they went out as baby faces. Yeah, how could we mm-hmm. not like that? They finally shook Yoshihashi's hand, Taichi, and uh, and Zack Saber. It was nice. So that felt earned. It really did. It did. It did. Yeah. The, that, looked, uh, that looked like a moment like they turned him fake. They turned Taichi fake. That that I, I popped. I popped. I I honestly <laughs> have been feeling that like he's been he's it's a slow burn again. But I wouldn't be surprised if he ever turned babyface if if they got rid of you know the Suzuki Goon thing. Um, mm-hmm. I remember. I think he was uh, Okada last year. He was he had a match against Okada in in his hometown. Sapporo, and that crowd was crazy for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when he has that dynamic, he can play off those. Like he, when the crowd is intense, he he's one of those types that really feeds off of that. Like at the Tokyo Dome, towards the end, he was he was uh, he leveled up. His special bar was flashing towards the end. I but. firmly believe that Taichi's strength lies in tournament matches. Uh, he is great in a bracket for whatever reason the dramatic tension of a Taichi match, whether he wins or loses within a G1 bracket or the new Japan cup, uh, usually is one of the more interesting matchups or bracket directions that you'll have whenever you look at it ahead of time. I remember looking at all of these brackets for the last two years, whenever they do a cup or G1. And I just kind of look at the Taichi and I'd always find that his matches were among the most fascinating ones that they, uh, would put out there. Always something he, curious with him. He's one of those guys that can win or lose any match. Like they, one hundred percent. I mean, maybe not any any match, right? Like he, you don't see him winning the the title or anything. But in the tournament setting, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I can't think of a person that I'm like. There's no way Taichi's beating Okada in this tournament. It's like I don't know. Maybe he will. Maybe they're going to Sapporo and they need another challenger, right? Like in a I, G1, you know. if he beat Ishii or Abushi, you wouldn't blink an eye. Yeah. yeah. He's a spoiler. Yeah, he's yeah, a great 100%. spoiler. And like and honestly like that's his character too. Right? Mm-hmm. Like so Dangerous. he's been 
he's been giving uh he's been giving Yoshihashi grief because he's not verified on Twitter. Like that's the buildup to this tag team match, like at least a part of it on on the internet, which is that's funny. Like yeah. he's a funny dude. Like uh, you know, you see a lot of the, the the even just the translations. Like he's he's almost an internet troll in he's real a life. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. that's 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 Zuki Goon too though. They yeah. kind of have fallen into this kind of tweener role. Like you could heat him up as heels, you could heat him up as baby faces, and this was one of those moments where they let him go. They let him go go full face, I guess, for the time being. You know, but. God, they could come out and do something nasty tomorrow, and no one would blink an eye at that either. So, what a what a great role for all of them. That might be the whole stable might be turning face if you kind of pull that thread a little bit. I mean, there's nothing about the stable so far that would make you think that they have to be um, getting booze from the audience right now. Gonna, there, gonna there's a lot to of get, things tough to get Takamichi Noku over again but <laughs> other than that I, I entirely agree. but think about lance archer right like lance archer is your key guy that's i guess still suzuki goon and still in the states and um he's got that vibe too where like you could heat him up against the baby face you can heat him up against the heel so it's a that's a it's an important role to fill out a roster for sure not going to take long for a lot of the people suzuki goon to get cheered for what they're doing and what match totally. setups that they're going to be put into Look at Dookie. Everyone loves Dookie. <laughs> no, that's you know, real. I, People I, like I, him a lot. Dookie's great. And he is yeah. very, very interesting. I mean, his story, how he got to New Japan is awesome. I mean, yep. he was a, an alternate and he was in Mexico for quite a while and not, not like a CMLL exchange program no, or anything. Like he was dirty Mexico in Lucha stuff. <laughs> Yeah, and he'd been there. Yeah, like and there's a handful that are there. Uh quite a few unknowns, but they they you know, they posted up and Lucha is a huge part of uh, Japanese pro wrestling now. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the next match we have and we're, we're also talking about Suzuki Goon. We had the the rise sure. talk about El Desperado having his moment. I mean, Ooh. yeah, I mean if it couldn't get any better for better for him than with this match this was this is the first best match of the night, I think. Of course, the Shibata Narita match was great, but this felt like uh, I like when the, the, the stakes are in the story and they're clear. And uh, this was is Desperado the real deal, or is this still going to be Hiromu time, time bomb time? Um, what do you guys think of Desperado's custom outfit for the night? Yeah, he looked awesome. All white. All white, and then you've got Hiromu who comes out looking like NXT 2.0. Like, I know, God. I mean, like I, I always though. I mean, like not that this is anything new for Hiromu, but yeah, um, he looked very good. He looked ready to ready to win a match in the Tokyo Dome. So it was, I, he came out, and I was like, "That's big match gear." Yeah, um, yeah. and the, you know, but that's that's the cool. That's that is part of what you keep an eye out for at at Wrestle Kingdom and. Um, yeah, and the, the match delivered. It was a little shorter than I thought it was going to be because they had been teasing these long matches, but I think that's part of the, it's part of the build. Right. So, and then they, they go out and had a Hiromu match more than anything. This was not a limb work match. This was not a, um, this was not a long drawn out lot, not a lot of selling. Like this was a sprint and, uh, you know, as, as sprints go two guys like Desperado and Hiromu can, they can ha- go have a sprint, you know, this put Desperado on the level of 
you know, someone like Dragon Lee in the sense of like can hang with Hiromu for sure. Um, and, and could potentially lead the division if Hiromu ever has to leave it for, you know, a heavyweight or injury again, you know, who knows what. But um, I guess I was a little surprised by the finish, but I think I even said in my roundtable piece for the for the site, like El Desperado needs to win this match. It was really important to me that El Desperado won this match because um, they need him in this division. Um, even if he's this perennial champion or contender, um, they need they need another guy at that level to um, to bounce things around with. So, and I'm, I'm so, I was so happy when he won. Yeah, this was a the story about this match and the two the two guys going into it is like they want this title to main event a Wrestle Kingdom. They feel like they belong at the top of the show, and when they came out for their match, they looked like two guys that were ready to main event a Wrestle Kingdom themselves. Desperado looked fantastic. I, I, I love a good bad guy in white. Uh, always have, always will. And Hiromu looked like 2.0 meets Rugrats on Nickelodeon. <laughs> uh, the, the, color, the color palette, everything about it, the sprint. Uh, it was a perfectly placed match on that card going into what was going to be the next match. Uh, I don't think it was the best match on the show. I think a number of other shows, if it were on that card, it would probably be the best match of the show. But I am really glad that occasionally they ch- they decide that doing a sprint for a championship match is an important idea to set the expectation that a championship match can end at any time, especially a top level match, a top level title like that. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it, I thought it was a great match. I think I I thought. Hiromu was just going to win when Desperado did. It felt like the right call. Yeah, and Hiromu is not hurt by this in any way. He's he's somebody who I don't know what I, he's maybe top five or even I mean I can't say he's more popular than Naito Okada or Tanahashi, but he's he's in there as one of the top as far as popularity goes, he's just made like he, he really mm-hmm. didn't. Have, if you, like you said, Chris, if he won that match, it really wouldn't have done anything for Hiromu and it probably would have hurt Desperado. And I don't think this hurt Hiromu at all. He, he won the best of the super juniors third one. Uh, he had a, a great match and now he has a new rival. I think that that was one of the big highlights of the weekend. I think. Yeah, uh, at this point, I worked some stuff out. I mean, there's a lot of conversation about kind of the bloat of New Japan match lengths over the past couple of years. And Mm -hmm. at this point, no match on this card. This was the longest match on the card so far. And it was second to to last match on the card. Nothing had gone over 16 and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. So like that, the pacing of this show, I think, was really good for what it was. Now I, I, you know, I understand the criticism of the multi-mans opening things up and it not feeling wrestle kingdom. Like I, I get that, but they paced the show really well to really highlight and feature the different types of matches as well as the main event being special. So, and I, I think that's where we're headed now. Mm. Uh, and that was, you know, that when we got to the main event, Night one, that was kind of like, okay, we, we made it through everything. We're, people weren't sure on where they stood, but there's no way to deny that this was, an, this was already one of the best matches of the year. Shingo Takagi 
lost the world uh, the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship to Kazuchika Okada, uh, who came out wearing uh, the Antonio Noki style Hakama robe thing and the hair, and he had the he had the scarf and everything. He looked like Mr. New Japan, not Captain New Japan, but Mr. New Japan. Um, and Shingo came out. Uh, he he was wearing uh, his his ring boots, the same ring boots from last year to signify his, his like his good luck charm because he had such a good uh, year last year. So they went into that, and I wasn't surprised. They had a great match. Um, it. I can't say it was as good as uh, Osprey and Okada, though, but um, I'm interested in what you guys think. What did you think of this uh, first one and how it compares to the next night's match and in the, in the overall scheme of the, the two nights? Who wants to go first? Chris, I'll go, go for it. Yeah, sure. Right. Um, the match was great. I mean, like, I'm not like a match star rating guy, right? I don't, mm, it's, yeah. it's, not, it's not one of those things I do. It's not one of those things I even really pay attention to outside of, I, you know, I guess I keep an eye. If someone throws one at me, I'm like, all right, that sounds right. Um, <laughs> or I'm like, oh, oh, you really like that. Um, mm. But, you know, I, I'm seeing five stars thrown around for this match. I'm seeing five stars thrown around for the Will match. I think they were completely different matches. Mm. Um, I think they both showed an evolution of all three characters or all three wrestlers involved. And I think even night to night, you saw Okada grow a little bit. And you saw Osprey grow um, via his other matches with Okada, and you saw Shingo really step in as a main eventer um, for this company that desperately needed him to be a main eventer and carry the company in a way that they would never ask uh, someone like Shingo to do if it weren't for really dire circumstances, right? Really interesting circumstances. And for Shingo to make it all the way to this point and to enter Wrestle Kingdom as the champion that's that's huge and he's a made man too and and no one ever blinked an eye that shingo was going to be a top star when he came to new japan but this proved that he can hang and when you look at the attendance numbers and you know it's so hard to look at attendance numbers right now and think um and think anything about them right except when you see that on january 4th shingo versus okada as announced uh, drew almost twice the same, the twice number, twice the number of people as January fifth, right? Like so, and I know that there's a lot that goes into that, right? January fourth is the big deal, and it's Tokyo Dome on January fourth, and that's tradition for a lot of people, and and all that. But still, like the announced match between Shingo and Okada did twice the draw of Okada versus Osprey, and and I'm sure many people there also assumed it was going to be Okada versus Osprey, so. Um, that has to mean something in, in the in the scale of things, and and you can you know take that down a notch than normal drawing times, but it does mean something. It means Shingo can hang, and you know the match as a whole, though. I mean, like super well paced, classic Okada main event um, with a lot of Shingo level spots where they're really high paced. Okada is in incredible shape right now. Like you can tell, he's just in full cardio shape. He can, he's, he's fast. He can run, he can go. He doesn't need a big, long selling spots. He doesn't need to slap on the money clip for half the match. And I don't know if he even needed to do all that a year ago, but he certainly doesn't need to now. And, um, both these guys look great. I think Okada winning is the right decision. And, but I think 
Shingo came out of it looking looking like gold. And I, you know, I don't know where he falls back in the card, right? So it's it's really hard to say. He doesn't have an immediate direction, but this was um this was a phenomenal match. It was the the it was the best match these guys could do in whatever 35 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. So and again, not a bloated long New Japan main event, right? 35 minutes is that's a, just a good solid New Japan main event. That's just not a 60 minute Noah draw. So um, it was, it was good. It, it, but when it ended, I was a little bit like, I could have, we could have kept going. Like, I felt like we could, I could take more of that. And and that's a good thing, I think. You know, uh, I'm going to touch on a lot of the same things that Chris did, but uh, last year was Shingo's year and going into the year, Nobody was going to be able to predict that for a number of reasons that Shingo wasn't on the radar as the top guy. He was, he was penciled in as a guy at the top and by the opportunity, by the circumstances, by the, by the tragedies of last year, there he was. And I would argue that in their match uh, in the summertime, Okada rose to Takagi's level in that match because Takagi was the one carrying that match. Uh, Okada wasn't wasn't where he was today, but then that match that they had uh, two days ago, Okada rose again to Takagi's level. Takagi was already there, ready to go, and he he delivered Okada to the level that he needed to be to have that main event with Osprey. I was more excited for that main event with Osprey after he went through Takagi because Takagi gave such a performance uh, through the whole thing, through his entire tenure, that he stepped up. He he was the man in New Japan when the everyone else couldn't or wasn't supposed to be. And that is that is a legendary status to have. People will always remember that for him. I, I hope that he is going to get another run. I hope he wins the G1. I, I hope all the greatest things for Shingo Takagi, the future is bright for that man. Yeah, we have to factor in. I was telling you, Jeremy, earlier, I don't want to come off as a complete New Japan apologist, but mm-hmm. think about the context. So we got Osprey's issue earlier in the year. Right. That's that's the first wrench in the works. Yes. Uh, we got Ibushi's having the you know the worst year ever. He had the two uh, issues. He got sick and then he injured his shoulder. So there's another. Uh, the plan B is out. It, maybe plan C. You got Naito. He's out for the entire G1. You got the Olympics happening, throwing every wrestling company's schedule off. You right. got the uh, the extra. The in May there was another lockdown right before the Olympics. So schedules had to be changed and work had to be done. And I think the company was most concerned with the main event picture and making sure that was okay. And Takagi and also Hiroshi Tanahashi as well uh, delivered because they had to, because they had no other choice. Imagine, you know, the, the main event, and this is a company that plans things out far in advance so when this stuff happens things are you know you need people to be there to carry the load and he carried the load takagi until the end of the year and yeah now now it's okada's time for sure because at the end of this match i I also noticed that it felt very definitive there was no question that okada won Mm -hmm. it didn't feel like there was a oh maybe it felt like oh okay okada definitely won 
I don't know what's going to happen with Takagi going forward, but the title is with Okada. And yeah. So that was another honorable, another honorable mention for a last year would be Jeff Cobb. Jeff Cobb did a lot of great work for new Japan. Oh Uh, yeah. 100%. Same time as Takagi. I, I would right. I would have to uh, give him the the number one foreigner in New Japan award because uh, he was the guy. One hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, if I, what's Osprey, the other option, Zach? Zach, but he. I mean, he's kind of like uh, he like he's almost domestic now. Yeah, yeah. He he never really left, and he's he never had to deviate from whatever he's doing. You know, he's always doing right. the, his thing. Uh, Osprey, I'm sure, would have had a bigger year, but he did, he couldn't. Uh, we had no Jay White in the company for most of the year. He was in the States. Mm-hmm. So I'll give it to Jeff Cobb. Yeah. Yeah. We should talk- and Cobb, <laughs> he was there. He wasn't just there either. I mean, like, uh, you know, you've also got guys like Chase Owens who um, showed up for, for a good portion of the year. And, and, you know, Chase's G1 was about as good as you could want it to be. I mean, so, but uh, yeah, if you're talking about someone who really ripped through, and showed up all the time. You never, you never anticipated a day where Cobb wasn't there. He's the guy. He also has a clean pinfall victory over Okada from this year's or last year's G1, which I'm sure will factor into the story of him going forward with the belt. Uh, and we'll talk about Cobb in a little bit when, when we should probably get it to night two because uh, now I don't know about you guys, but for me, night two was easier to watch a little more fun a little more colorful um i don't know why exactly that was do you guys have any uh w- what was it that made it feel better was it's not just the match quality because there were some matches that were pretty similar like the six there were six men's on this as well there were, i think there were more there were more six men matches. if you're yeah if you're counting the three <laughs> last week yeah. pre-show matches yeah there's a yeah. bunch of six man's um but if I look at it from just the, the main card, right? Like this was your classic Wrestle Kingdom card. Um, when it comes down to it, I mean, you start off with a junior tag team three-way. Like that's classic Wrestle Kingdom, you know, start, start, starting match. So, but uh, yeah, otherwise I feel like all the, the matches on this card, all of them, uh, especially on the main card, right? So, cause that's kind of where I'm going to stick. They all met something. Everything on this card meant something, whereas the mm-hmm. the previous card, like there were those two or three matches at the beginning of the car, beginning of the show that were, you know, building blocks to the second night. So, the the second night felt like all matches that belonged on Wrestle Kingdom. I don't think you could pull something off and say like this match shouldn't have been here because if mm-hmm. you look at the talent in it and the stakes involved, you know, I you know I I looked at. Um, Naito and Cobb and said whoever wins that match is who's walking out after the main event and you know because uh, you know also assuming Okada's going to retain right so I looked at that match as the, my de facto number one contender match so um, yeah everything on this card made a lot of sense as mm. as uh, cards go except I guess maybe the starter match but it felt big right that still felt like a big deal because it's such a cool offer match to have too i'm happy that it it aired and it didn't air as like a pre-show match uh i also like that um you know the first times they did it they just you know they put their stars in there introduce you to whomever here's the company that bushiro just um 
acquired. This was my, they didn't really put their, um, their top, the current top stars, no Shuri, no Utami Hayashishita. It was, uh, Mayu Yutani, starlight kid, who's now an evil starlight kid. Um, again, younger, uh, who else was, uh, we got, um, Tam, Tam Nakano and, uh, Sayakamitani again, two idol type, uh, top stars in the company. And they, I expected a good match, but I thought this was a really good match. And it felt like such a breath of fresh air because it felt different, but um, it was good wrestling. Still. Um, what, how did the stardom leave you, uh, Chris and Jeremy? You know, when I when I watched this match, I, I had very little context. I know people who sing the praises of stardom up and down. I just, I have not been able to invest myself in it. And I was excited to watch this match. And those four women came out there with something to prove. And I have a lot more interest in going in and watching stardom now as a result of being introduced to that match. I don't completely know all the context. I don't completely know all the storylines, but watching what they're doing in the ring, the storyline will come. The talent is there. I, um, I, w- I do wish I had time to add a wrestling company to my, uh, wrestling watches because I would start would be on the short list without a doubt. Um, and every, you know, every time I drop in, it's high quality stuff. It looks really good. Um, the production is getting better and better as far as I can tell. Um, there, there's a clear investment in the future of that company. So now it was probably a good time to, to jump in if you got the time to do it. And these types of matches, I think that this is important. I think it's important to permeate the bubble of new Japan. Right. And I think we're seeing that with Noah too. Right. we'll talk a little bit more about that. I'm sure. But, um, new Japan's kind of isolationist ways, um, aside from bringing in people. Right. But like, I think working with actual companies is a, is a big deal. Um, and I think we're seeing that be successful in other parts of the world too. And I, I don't think we should ignore, um, the doors, whatever, opening a little bit with New Japan is it, especially something like putting the start a match on the real show with the with the broadcasters, the same broadcasters on the broadcast, etc. That's a big deal. Um, that was a it's a big move, and who knows where it goes, right? If Stardom keeps growing and New Japan puts themselves back together again, right? Like we got there's a there's a cool crossover show that could happen. You know, big huge double show right all the big stars with the big singles matches and all that that could be a really cool type of event kind of like cyber fight did last year yeah i think the one cool thing about having stardom under the bushy road umbrella now is that you have this new option we were talking about how it's harder to get foreign talent or a special guest or really spice things up like they used to in the past this is a way where it doesn't really affect the new japan creative but it also keeps big shows feeling fresh and it's also it's not too um extreme for fans to accept you know it's because it's it's a company that is shared uh, the ownership is shared bushi road is involved there's a connection there it's not like they're doing intergender matches it's not like uh it's uh, a new japan branded women's match it has its own identity too so people still have the option to either, you know, try it out or uh, 
if they don't like it, it, it won't have to sour their, um, their feelings on the decision of the company. It's just, you know, it's another offer. It's a, it's another plate at the buffet. And I think right now, because of the situation for international travel, it's a, a good way to spice up bigger shows. It felt like a, just we talked about sameness and, and repetition, which is normal, especially some company like new Japan, but um, incorporating, incorporating the girls when you can could be a great move. And I, I hope someday they just merge uh, stardom world, the new Japan world and put it all in the same uh, either in the same server or on the same website. I have no idea if there's even any intention of that happening, but I think if they want to uh, make money as a like, kind of combo, that would be cool. But I, I do hope we see more of this going forward. Uh, I'm sure they see. Or- I'm sure they see what Cyberfight um, is a, is has been able to do with their kind of umbrella. And you you got to wonder if um, if that's been successful. I mean, clearly it's been successful, right? Even just the growth of Noah again um, seems to be pretty solid. So, yeah, I'm I'm hopeful for that too, in the sense of because I think that that would introduce both sides to different products, and if nothing else, the big shows would be a little bit more available. And if they want to keep going back to kind of the pe- the pay per view, well like they do with some of the stardom shows and that now they're doing with this new Japan Noah show, which is a new Japan production. Um, so they didn't have to do it this way. They could have just held on to it on new Japan world. Um, you know, I, I think that's fine too. I think, um, I think there's fans that are, that are open to that as well. So yeah. Um, but yeah, the match as it stood was, it was fun, felt fresh and, um, you know, it didn't inspire me to immediately run out and like, I got to watch more of this stuff, but like it makes it a little more approachable when it's something that you've kind of seen a little bit and you're like, oh, these, it's just good wrestling, um, which yeah. I think is, it's awesome. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, I think New Japan will have a big hand in kind of getting eyeballs on the stardom product, but um, I think stardom hits in a different way overseas than it does in japan i think women's wrestling is still viewed it's not viewed like it was whereas here i think fans are way way more um not just accepting but interested in women's wrestling or having uh just less traditional style uh looks and styles matches um yeah we'll see i don't know i don't know but um it's one of those things we have to keep looking at i guess as uh, the company grows and expands and but it does feel you know like guys like milano collection and and nagata they they're helping train uh the stardom girls ever since the they were brought under the bushi road umbrella like oh. there there's there's kind of a, like there's a, a liger is sometimes involved too you know just training and uh, like uh sharing resources um so i i think that definitely you know i, I definitely think that it's uh affected the product not only just like the production you said, Chris, like the production is a lot better than it's ever been before, but also the quality of wrestling. I actually, I went to a stardom show about probably three years ago. Now it was, uh, it was a completely different roster and it wasn't as focused on the right, the in-ring aspect. It, it was, some of it was there, but it was a lot looser than it is now. So there's definitely the Bushy road, uh, acquisition has definitely improved it at least in the eyes at least my eyes in the eyes of uh regular fans and i think this setup will help bring in more people more eyes and we'll see how 
uh, Joshi wrestling will be viewed in the future going forward. I think stardom has that flag. They're in charge of that. So, um, Oh, before I forget. So there were the King of pro wrestling match was next, but there were some, uh, there was some news that was announced, uh, on night one and it was announced on night two as well, but uh, new Japan will be back on access TV. Um, starting this month, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. With starting on January 20th, they'll start to play classic episodes hmm. and then, um, and or I think beginning of March, uh, they start to air new, uh, newly produced content. So yeah, that's awesome. And and in a kind of a block with Impact, which I think is going to help both companies, right? Like so, and and there's a there's a clear relationship there too, I think. And um, that's yeah, that was big news because I think the Axis show was really important to New Japan, and and people get eyes on the product as as it happened. So very cool announcement. Uh, it happened curious, quickly. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious as to why they just didn't do this when Impact got onto Axis in the first place. Because yeah, I don't know the details of what happened and I, whatever, but um, I just feel like they were they're going to be tied together anyway. I mean, last year Impact had a ton of New Japan talent on their shows. I mean, you might it wouldn't it be better to have that show on the channel too, so you can brand and promote the crossover even more easily but hey if it works out then cool and maybe the, it helps impact it gets eyes on impact too i'm sure it'll you know go both ways i when you say uh new content chris do you mean like content shot for that show or content that will air in japan or on new japan world that will also air on axis uh, the second one so okay yeah it, so just yeah. more up to date it's not gonna be like the roku show where it's like correct where it's half a year what, behind. 18 years or 18, years, <laughs> yeah. 18 months behind um yeah. the cool thing about the roku show is that there are there is stuff that streams in much higher quality video oh my gosh that, yeah like i see that and i'm just like why can't i get this over new japan world but i mean i get it there's some stuff but yeah the first time i watched anything on the roku show i was like this looks great <laughs> like yeah the, but, um, the, um, the first time i watched it too man i i, I even go back to rewatch matches just to have the capacity i want to have the ability to watch a match in such high definition even the yeah. stream on new japan world it's you know a stream is a stream sometimes it's great not everyone can be the zone but it's uh yeah if i recommend anybody if, if you got you want to kill some time go on your if you have Roku, check the check the show out. It's well produced. It looks great. It's just old. That's the only thing. Yeah, uh, you've we, you've probably seen the matches. Yeah, but uh, it but, really does. It does make a difference. It looks crisp and and uh, yeah, it's cool. It's very cool. Yeah. So the uh, so then the Access show will be similar to what they had been doing with Access previously, which was not necessarily like day of content though they they did that for a little while but um it'll be relatively current um that newer newish matches that are that are going up so i think it, if they did it in march it would make sense that they just started plugging wrestle kingdom hour chunk throughout the first eight weeks of yeah that wouldn't oh. surprise that wouldn't surprise me at all um yeah. And they can be selective with the card that they decide to, to right. show too, right? So, um, so uh, yeah. But I, I think even so, they they try to get even closer to closer to current, um, depending on depending on what they've got going on. So I know that 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 deal was written into Kevin Kelly's new contract, 
like that he was going to have some TV responsibilities. And it kind of, I know that he had said on Super Jcast that it kind of perked him up to think like, oh, we've got, there's something happening. And, you know, I think everyone truly found out about it shortly, shortly thereafter. I wonder if they'll uh, choose to do any like live productions like they did on Axis in the past, like the Long Beach shows. Right. Like that even really, that was those are huge. I mean, that really that, um, created that sparked a lot more interest than ever in, in New Japan. I remember around those times, not not before the Cow Palace show, like the first Long Beach show. It was and it was just it was so new. Even it was only a couple of years ago, but it's still it's like live Japanese pro wrestling on American time mm-hmm. on live television. 20 years ago, if you told me that, it's just so ridiculous sounding. Um, but it's, yeah, that's how it is. And then they, so, well, that's the reason that the G1 show was in Dallas, was that relationship with Access. And um, they they aired that live on Access too. So, you know, I think just having that relationship or rebuilding that relationship, and maybe you see some crossover with a company like Impact. Hmm. Um, it, when you think about maybe doing a big event that, New Japan's trying to do crossover big events with dream matches and things like that. Maybe that's the United States partner that we see, um, which I'm sure a lot of people will be disappointed with because they want it to be the other one. But um, sometimes... Oh, that's right. Well, since there's no ROH. Well, ROH is uh, pivoting or whatever they're they're doing now, but it's the nature of the relationship has to change, I'm assuming, because, you know, they're, they're doing something different. And New Japan always stayed very loyal to ROH, so they were always, even very loyal. Always using uh, the talent up and like always using the whoever. Uh, New Japan Strong always had at least one or two people from ROH on it every time, especially when it started out. So, uh, it's in, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So they need a new ally, They'd, like a primary ally, and I think the you'll still see, you'll still see stuff with even I, you could still see stuff with ROH and their new um in their new form but i don't think i think they're past the point in america where they need one one singular company that they work with right and i think the the them opening things back up with impact is is long term going to end up being a really important move for for new japan so just because i think that it may have built back towards this TV deal existing and you might see some crossover that makes sense for both partners television. Right. So um, I think that, I think there's a lot of good happening here because I mean, Axis or Anthem, I mean, they own, they own impact. So, you know, that's, that's right, a good yeah. relation to have. I'm going to, so Jeremy left us for a second. So I'm going to, Oh, there we go. Uh, Jeremy will join us shortly. We're going to have a, lonely Mike in the shot. Don't worry guys. He'll be back. But um, Chris and I are going to keep talking because back to the show. I mean, and I'm sure into 2022, we're going to find out more about who and where new Japan will be working in the States. And I, and hopefully I think that the TV deal will help, you know, get eyes back uh, on them and the complaints will, will change. And uh, Hey, who knows? Maybe we'll see house of torture on access TV. I don't know. I mean, you will. Right, you, you're, we're gonna have to like that's part of the part of the product. Um, yeah, we're gonna okay. feedback. So we're gonna go back to what may be considered frivolous. I don't know. King of Pro Wrestling match, the match itself. So we had Chase Owens, Minoru Suzuki, Shima, and um, who's the last one? Bad Luck Fale. Who is in that? Yano. 
Yeah, no, yeah, no, of course. Well, how could I? Okay, it's his, it's his, it's his thing. How could I forget? Um, yeah, I don't have anything to say on this. Uh, actually, for the I next like, couple matches, I don't. I like the idea that they're setting up something different over the next year with Suzuki uh, doing the King of Pro Wrestling. It's gonna. I don't want to say legitimize it, but treat it with a little more seriousness in eyes of fans that will associate Suzuki with something cool as opposed to Yano and Chase Owens, which is uh, a very, very distinct flag to tell you it is not an important thing to get, to care about. I, I feel like now it is different. Yeah, I've been an advocate for this to be Suzuki's thing for a long time, actually, so... I um I'm I'm into it. I'm into the fact that he won. I like that Shima was in the match because I think mm. that that's different too, right? And and um Strongheart's doing a run in New Japan is that's cool with me too. Um mm-hmm. so you know, it's a little less chalk than I expected it to be and I like like I said I like who knows where we go from here, right? Suzuki can do anything, right? He can do super comedy he can do wild stuff i mean he he had all sorts of stipulations on some of these never open weight championship matches he had what three years ago three or four years ago what is time um you know with the bull rope and the hair the hair match with goto and and all that so i think that we could see some cool stuff and you know why not at least it's different. And I feel like I've said that about a lot of different stuff, but it's a different path forward that isn't, you know, Yano. Give Yano something else to do. He's he's capable too. Send him to the States. He'll have fun. Yes. He would he'll sell tickets and he can do what Suzuki did, which is the same match every night. Yeah, have everybody complain with him and the best friends. It'll be great. <laughs> and the blow off will yes. be Yano and Orange Cassidy. I mean and I, yeah. Someone should put that on television. Let's be honest. I'm sure. I'm sure we already got the chaos bits in there anyway. Yeah. I'm sure that'll happen. Um, I might pass. I don't know. But um, one one quick thing I, I thought was, I don't know how relevant it is, but in Japanese, Minoru Suzuki, his nickname, he's often called Osama, like King Osama. I remember when he had a feud with Naito a couple of years ago, Naito would mockingly call him that, like, oh, the king. So this King title has lightly been associated with Suzuki. So, of course, the King is the King of pro wrestling. So maybe there's a little wordplay, too. But um, everything fits nicely into the slots that they were booked for. So, yeah, the King of pro wrestling match happened. Uh, it was probably, yeah, less schlock, less, um, less Toriano. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, oh, we also the never the never six man. Uh, more. Uh, did you well, any reactions or anything uh, that we haven't discussed before? Because I feel like I, I don't have any new opinions on this. I wasn't. It was fine. It was. I was waiting for the rest of the matches. Rest of the card. You know. You know when you're you're playing one of those games and parts of an image are slowly being unrevealed and you kind of get a bigger idea of what is happening by the time this match was over and you saw the yo match the evil match the dangerous techers match and then this match and you finally saw where that they were going with it you got the house of torture with some titles you got chaos with the tag titles you're like okay there's a plan they have an idea i can respect it doesn't have to take up all the time in the world let's go with it I respected that. 
What yeah, did you think uh, of this one, Chris? Yeah, no, no new thoughts. Um, it's a shame that we're back to this with the Never Six Man Championships because they they had such a good run with the Chaos Trio that had them before. Um, but now they're kind of bundled back with the tag, the two-man tags, which does make some sense, to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, and I tweeted earlier kind of the directions going forward for, for New Japan, right? And I've gotten a lot of quote tweets. I'm almost getting ratioed, as the kids say, about <laughs> evil in three different, you know, title programs, which is essentially the case at this point because he's going after the IWGP tags. He's holding both never titles. So he's involved in all three of those. And to me, it's really just this chaos versus house of torture feud and those titles just happen to be involved right so that's just one big program so it's actually better than evil just like matriculating with all the other groups and getting involved with lij or or united empire or whatever they're up to he's strictly in a program with chaos and they just happen to have a bunch of different titles which means they'll be on a lot of different shows but they're going to be on those shows anyway you may as well add something to them with the stakes so um yeah, match was the match was a match. They uh, they're they're going for a lot of titles, but Chris, you know what title he's not going for? Not the big one. There you go. <laughs> oh, not actually, truly not not either the the big ones. No, because um, I think the U.S. is the other big title, and obviously, like there's so many people that love New Japan right now and love what the Never Openweight Championship has brought to New Japan over the past whatever four or five years, right? So I can see there being a disappointment that that portion doesn't exist. That Shingo, Jeff Cobb, Ishii, big beefy boys slapping beefy meat, right? Like that's the <laughs> never open weight championship. Like that's the thing. And we're not going to have that for a little while. Um, but those guys are all probably doing something or maybe healing, right? Um, yeah. You know, Shingo, if Shingo doesn't show up on this next tour, I get it. The man wrestled 27 big singles matches last year. Like, he was, and a lot of them were big main events, whether they were main events when he was in the never scene with Tanahashi and, and that whole situation or the, you know, his run on top. So um, maybe some of those guys need some time to, to, to heal, but um, yeah, I mean, they are firmly placed in the mid card and, you know, or maybe that's something that headlines a road to or a Corkin, but I don't think you're going to see evil headline, you know, the Fukuoka dome, right. You don't, you don't see that happening coming up or even dominion um, in six months. So, you know, it is what it is. We've talked it to death. Everyone has, and everyone will continue to do so. Cause I get it, but it's, it's a mid card thing now, mm-hmm. which is where it belongs. I should throw it out there, though, that if you've watched Evil since his return to New Japan when he debuted with LIJ, we got to remember that Evil was one of the only people to beat Okada during his uh, his golden run. He had that uh, that uh, G1 win. G1. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it was one or two wins, but I know that that was one of those things that they always referred back to. And I think it's one of those those seeds that they planted back then to, you know, okay, here's our situation now. The way that you're describing where he might be going, Chris, it would make sense if you looked at it at one point and say, hey, this guy has a bunch of the titles except the the main title. And back in the day, he beat Okada. I mean, 
from a, a booking and logic standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. Whether you like them or not, that's just a subjective thing. But um, from yeah, from a booking standpoint, I get it. I get it for sure. So yeah, will this be the year of evil? I don't know. I'm, I'm not, not sure. Like, no. <laughs> oh, so uh, so after this, we got the very special surprise invasion. So Keiji Muto's theme played, and everybody said, "Huh, what?" And the entire Noah roster, who had just done a show at Corkin Hall across the, the road, not the road, the, in, in the plaza, um, they all showed up and they showed up in the ring. Kijimuto is taking selfies. LIJ came out to kind of uh, protect New Japan's honor. But um, basically what we saw, they all lined up in the ring. Kaito Kiyomiya, one of their top stars, top aces, uh, said, he, you know, He's ready for taking on New Japan this weekend on the 8th. It was uh, formal, whatever, fine, good. And then the Keno of the Congo unit in Noah grabbed the mic and cut a great promo. This guy is, if you're not familiar with him, you should familiarize yourself with him before Saturday if you're going to watch. He's he's the best. He's, he's great. Um, and he cut a great promo on... Uh, on new japan and how he doesn't like the fans and then they're going to prove that they are the best uh company in the world etc cetera, etc cetera. um there was also the i think this is a kayfabe thing but uh there was also some interview where okada said something where he described the noah guys as like the, that style of wrestling those that's like they're at like high school level compared to us the kind of competitive uh, comparison and uh, kano took took uh took that very personally and that's one of those things where it's i, I don't know if this is going to be a one-off show or uh maybe an, a way to uh do some back and forth between noah and new japan i don't know so basically it was just a preview we didn't see much it was cool it looked cool on the camera but um yeah that was to pump up the show this weekend which is a pay-per-view show uh kind of like a Noah versus New Japan card. So it was a good introduction. It was kind of a surprise too. Again, it felt like something that wouldn't have, it didn't, it wasn't on the, the night one show and it felt like such a uh, surprise. It just felt so different from anything we'd seen so far. So do you guys plan on watching the show this weekend? Yeah. Yeah. The, how about I you, got a Jen? lot going on, but um, yeah, I'm going to try and catch it on the week after when it heads to New Japan. That's itself. right. So yeah. it will air on New Japan World the week after it airs, but it, it'll be a pay-per-view uh, the, the kind of that night. So you have to purchase it. You could uh, Abima TV. But uh, yeah, the, we'll have more to talk I, about when, when things happen, but it, it was a cool, it's, it's something cool and new. Very curious, very curious mm. about uh, what this is going to be exactly the tone, the tenor, uh, the tag matches. And now that the, the card is over and seeing Tanahashi and Okada both as champions on our side and the tag together is curious. And I, I, I don't know the context, so I'm just going to wait with bated breath and see what, what we're going to get out of it. I, yeah. I feel like we're going to see Muto and Okada. That's when when they do the interviews muto has dropped his name a couple times in that kind of vague but not vague way so maybe march at budokan i don't know what this interaction did do though for me is i mean i, I had thought that okada tanahashi match was going to end up as the main event because okada was going to walk in as as champion likely 
Um, but this interaction led me to believe that the LIJ uh, Congo is that is that the mm-hmm. matchup, right? Um, the LIJ match was going to be the the main event instead. What, still, even, whatever even Shingo no was, yeah, wherever Shingo is, felt like the spotlight of the angle uh, with him, right? Not not being the champion, it, it gives him an opportunity to take a few more chances if they wanted to. Yeah, so we'll yeah, see. So that's exciting. That's very. It's new and it's different. It's a, it's very. It's a jolt to to the status quo in New Japan that some people seem to be sick of. But hey, we'll see. I, I'm excited for that particularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was really impressed. They had a Budokan show on January first. That was very good. Very good. The last four or five matches, I was really impressed with. So yeah, that was that's a really good show to jump in on too. With the and yeah. the English broadcasters there do a really good job. Yeah, it does a lot of uh, the heavy lifting. You don't have to do as much. It, having the English there is just, it's so much easier to get into because there's so much more context to know, yep. especially in a Japanese match. It just makes it more uh, uh, palatable and enjoyable, that much richer. Okay, so that's Saturday. Let's let's go into the, the, the final kind of three, the last three matches. So first we had, we talked about it earlier with Sanada and Great Okan, and what I thought was a really good match. I thought it was, um, I mean, for what it is, it's, if you just like the pure, there's something very pure about the the match, the, the pro wrestling in it itself. Uh, Sonata is very good. I don't. He's just the conundrum with Sonata. I don't know. Uh, he's one of those guys that you would think can and should be headlining a company, but hey, he's but he like you said, Chris. He's the Iron Man. He he's just he he can do anything with the, whoever you put him with. And he's much more popular in... I mean, he's just wildly popular in Japan. He never stopped being popular in Japan. He's still a big star. But I wonder if he'll... Will he go solo? Do you guys think he goes solo this year or eventually? He has to, right? What's left to do? I guess tag with... The the tag run with Naito was good, but Naito's not going to be a tag guy forever, right? Mm -hmm. He, He can dip his toe in there, but... Um. Yeah. Unless they're gonna make, you know, unless they're gonna drop Shingo there, but Shingo's a made man too. I mean, like these are Sonata's gonna show up at in a spot where he's gonna get a a main event. They're gonna they're gonna do Okada Sonata again during this title reign. Like mm. I, I'll call that right now. They're gonna get there somehow because they love that match. They love they love that match in Japan. They love that match in the office. Um, it's it's they've gone back and it's usually good. It's usually really good. Um, people hand wave it. Sonata, you know, nobody remembers that Sonata's the guy that came out at the end of Wrestle Kingdom last year because, you know, yeah. where did it go? It didn't really go anywhere. It went to one match that was, mm, I don't know, less than memorable, yeah. right? So, but I remember some of those Sonata Okada matches for sure. So I think, I think it's a good bet to think they're going to heat up Sonata maybe through the New Japan Cup and. We'll see. We'll see him go go solo here. And as for this match, I wanted this match to be a little bit more Okan versus Zack Saber Jr. style or Sonata versus Zack Saber Jr. style. I wanted to see a little more of that grapply wrestling stuff, and they didn't. They didn't do that. I, I kind of expected that to be how they were going to differentiate, but it was still good. Really soundly worked. Again, either of these guys could have won this match, but as when Great Okan lost. I did have the thought that we're just we're gonna do this United Empire can't win it Wrestle Kingdom thing again, and lo and behold, that's that's how it went. One th- oh, go ahead, Jeremy. 
Uh, the only thing I was going to add, I don't have much to to add with the the match itself, but Sonata is the one guy in New Japan where I'm concerned that they might have missed the window on him to maximize his star power. I don't know, but I just feel like he had the G1 finals a couple of years ago. He's been the guy to come out after Wrestle Kingdom. I think he might have actually won a New Japan Cup, if not like go to the finals. He is the G1. guy... Yeah, there you go. Like he just like he he has had these big moments and then when like are you going to go all the way with him? They don't. And for me, I I thought he was the guy that they were going to get behind a couple of years ago and I don't know if it's a general consensus, but ever since then, I've never quite looked at him at that same level as the others, like Okada, Abushi, even Evil in a way. Like, Evil has surpassed him in terms of perception in the company, not necessarily talent in the ring. So I would love to see Sonata reclaim that position in the company and be one of those foundational pieces that uh, they're continuing to build the company because it can't always be Okada. It can't always be Ibushi and Naito and, and Shingo. There's going to be other guys and they've, they've trusted that they've given him these opportunities, but are they going to go all the way with him? Because that'll be the difference between being considered Okada level in the future, or maybe a Shii level in the future. And there's nothing wrong with being in a Shii level, but there are two different tiers when you were talking about those two guys the before we move on the one thing i would do with sanada i feel like you get get rid of get uh, not not get rid of lij but get him out of lij and we were just talking about noah before why don't you have if you're going to do anything because he's not the most charismatic guy in the world why don't you have if have him be the one who turns on LIJ and goes with Noah because Keiji Muto was his trainer. And maybe that's where he can go and stay and kind of um, recharge as a singles without, um, without any of what he does interfering with anybody else in new Japan's programs while it keeps him strong. It also keeps him far away, but not too far away. Cause if this uh, relationship is happening, I mean, why not? Not or somewhere in the States. Even New Japan Strong or something. I don't know. How many times has a wrestler gone away for a little while and they just come back looking just fresh by the by the time apart? Yeah, well, sometimes. I mean, sometimes. Yeah. It's a huge tool in the toolkit, though. Um, if if we're going to hmm. see more of this kind of cross-pollination, right? Like, that's a that would be a great use case to keep the relationship with Noah open. And then you, you probably get something back, too, right? Somebody shows right. up and, and does something interesting with on the new Japan side of things on the new Japan cards. And we've, we've seen a lot of that in the States. We've seen a little bit of that in Japan with, um, Aita showing up in Noah and, and some of the little bit of dragon gate crossover. Um, so we saw some Noah action before they had this cyber agent, uh, ownership. It wasn't the G one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there was also a 2016, I think Nakajima was in G one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a different situation. It, Noah right. didn't come off looking. It, it was kind of like a ECW WWE invasion angle. It was it had a cu- couple cool moments, and then it's that was when Suzuki Goon was spending time in Noah too, right? Yeah, yeah, they were they they uh, they kind of moved there. They were there, yeah, yeah. The, I think Suzuki was champion. 
yeah, they were they were regulars, and that's how, yeah. why Kanemaru came to New Japan. Finally, that's right. He was a Noah guy from day one. Yep, and now he's you know he's just a, the what, heel master, heel master. whiskey master. But um, okay, so to last two matches on this massive double day. Oh, three. Three, three. Three. We had Cobb, Sonata, no Cobb, Cobb and Naito. Naito. Then we got the no DQ, and then we got the main oh, event. Oh, the no DQ. I forgot the no DQ. Then there's less because that's such a different kind of match. It's almost like it wasn't a New Japan match. Uh, Cobb and Naito was probably as you'd expect. Yeah. Uh, great. It was awesome. And it was good to see Naito back in full health, too, because he's a guy who I felt like he, you know, he dipped out. For fall, the fall period, because he of the got, yeah, he got got hurt at the, and then he was in World Tag League, which is um, often often missed by many, which is okay. Mm. I love World Tag League, so I'll put it over all day. But um, the this match was good, but Cobb looked really good too. Like even yeah. though if you see the result, you think like, oh, okay, Naito won. Cobb looked like the monster. I mean, he looked awesome. He's and we, you know, I think everyone on this little panel loves Cobb. Mm-hmm. For you know whatever reason, like he's he's got a lot to offer. He's a really good pro wrestler. I love that he's been featured in singles matches at Wrestle Kingdom the past two years. And this one, even though it came together really fast, and I don't, it didn't really have a lot of reasoning as to why these guys like didn't mm-hmm. like like it, it doesn't go back to Nitro's injury or whatever it may be. Um, but this Cobb looked really good, even though he took the he took the loss. Yeah, I was. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, Uh, I was disappointed that Cobb lost. But if you're going to tell me that Cobb lost to Naito at Wrestle Kingdom in in a potential match of the night, how can you be mad at that? Uh, He he looked great. He looked like the star. When he lost, I was like, didn't do anything bad for him. He's exactly the same guy before the match is after the match. And he's going to be just as fear, fearsome going into the future and future's bright for the guy. The match was better than I thought it was going to be a lot of credit to Naito as well. He always seems to deliver in a big match. Thumbs up. Naito yeah. did look healthy here, which is, is good. I think you kind of alluded to that. He looked like he, he could, looked like Naito. He looked like he could mm-hmm. continue to go. Yeah. I liked the, the, the basically quicker, easy story they did where basically Naito had to chop Cobb down at, at the knee. Um, it was basically Naito sticking to a strategy and it broke Cobb down and he, and he gave up the, the loss. I think that's why he came off as still pretty strong, but Naito brought a, a strategy, found a weakness and exploited it for the match. And yeah, it, it, it there wasn't much to it by a veteran. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't much to it more, uh, much more than that. Uh, yeah. They look they great. Would, they both they look great. There just needs to be more story. And I'm sure that'll happen down, down the road. Now that Knights is healthy. Cobb's there, uh, drenched, drenched in the, the, the baby oil or whatever. Um, <laughs> it looks like, part, uh, yeah. Part of the reason for me, I think this match existed was just to put Cobb in a high profile match with Nido. Like, yeah, like, hey, look, put him in there. If Ibushi was there, maybe he was going to be in that match. Who knows? But it was just one of those, like, give Cobb a big high-profile match. This guy is a monster, and they have big plans for him in the future. 
Um, yeah, I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, Sorry. It must not be, no, it must not be important. Uh, okay. Okay, the last two matches. We had the, the no DQ match. The, uh, this, okay, so we had the Kenta US champion versus Hiroshi Tanahashi going hardcore. Hardcore Tanahashi. This this had maybe the biggest ladder that I've ever seen in a match ever. <laughs> Why would you use that was a, a wild that was like a that. wild ladder? It was shiny. It looked like it had never it like it was built for this match. Um I don't know what you would use it for. Uh, like I feel like at that point you'd just be using a a, a, a lift because it was just outrageously high. I'm gonna skip to the we're gonna get dessert first right here because the match ended with the very, very high fly flow, very high off this ladder. The highest um, fly flow. Highest fly <laughs> flow indeed. And um it it looked brutal. Kenta's face looked like a mess after the match was over. But I wanted to mention that first because I felt like that the whole end sequence, the beginning of the match was just kind of maybe unnecessary overkill lead up to that. And these are two guys that I'd rather just watch them wrestle. I don't, I, I don't need the, the, the weapon stuff. I've seen enough of that throughout my life that, you know, it's, it's cool. That said, it was, you know, fun ish, not fun, but like, um, I like watching Kenta. I like new Japan Kenta. Uh, I like the recent Noah Kenta a lot more, but I do like this new, uh, Post WWE Kenta New Japan, uh, what were your takes on this uh, hardcore match, and especially in the placement of it? I mean, did was it overkill? I think the placement's more about where they see this title. Because mm-hmm. um, I I think that in the absence of the Intercontinental, I think for a little while there, a lot of people thought never was going to step into that role because they put it on Jay White, and mm-hmm. Jay White's been a top guy for a long time. But I think. I think this is your number two singles title in New Japan. And that that goes back to what I think they've wanted it to be since Kenny Omega won it. And um, it was placed in the Jericho, the first Jericho match. And um, then they you put it on Tanahashi now twice. He's a guy that you you put a title on that you want to establish. So Moxley um, too. Moxley, Moxley, obviously huge deal to hold that to hold that title. And the story is they, I think they're treading water a little bit to get back to Tanahashi Moxley. Cause that's, the, that's the match. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, there was a up. little bit of that at oh, the resurgence, yeah. wasn't there like a little mm-hmm. back and forth. There was. So when Tanahashi won the match, Moxley was sitting at ringside. Right, right, right. And they did, he did one of those, like he like acknowledged it and walked away. Right. And it's like, okay, we're getting, we're getting that. We're going to get mm-hmm. the match, right? Um, so I do think they're treading water a little bit. Maybe bouncing it back to Tanahashi means they know something. But um, the, this was, a, I mean, it was a plunder, right? It was it was everything you could ever imagine it to be. And then the finish was good. I mean, like that huge ladder, the setup of that huge ladder, the highest fly flow. Like if I, if, I, if nothing else that was the spot that they built towards. And like, that was the structure of the match. They were building towards that one moment. The moment happened. It wasn't a f- near fall. It was the actual finish, which is good. <laughs> like you don't take a high fly flow off of a, what? 15, 20 foot ladder. It's like 20 feet. It, I mean, it was, it was maybe 20 feet tall. Um, 
It was I, he, he didn't skimp on the high fly flow. He no. did the extension and everything. It was yeah. Uh, yeah. It was good. I mean, like for for all things considered, that was a really good. This is a really good finish. Kent was bleeding buckets all over the place. It's all over the table. Um, you know, Tanahashi in his post match said he doesn't feel he didn't feel good about anything, but he feels like a champion, which is you know that's what he was trying to accomplish. So of course he he goes back to you know Tanahashi mode, and um, but now he can carry the U.S. title, which I think is you know is cool. They did tease in the post match comments. Um, Tanahashi versus Sonata. So, like, you know, like we were kind of talking about, Sonata's going to start to get involved in some single stuff. You know, I kind of, I kind of thought when I was watching this match that everything seemed very mapped out and planned with the, uh, with the hardcore items, which is something that you don't see as much when you're stateside. Everything seemed very deliberate. Uh, they had it mapped out. They knew what they were doing. They grabbed the chairs. They, it didn't seem like they were on the, going on the fly with this. And I think it made for a better match. The, uh, only other move that I want to give, uh, a shout out to in this thing was the Falcon arrow that, yeah, I wanted to oh, say yeah. that too. And, uh, yeah. gave Tanahashi. Cause those tables do not look like American tables. Those tables look brutal. They look like they hurt and they look like they'll make you cry if you go through them. So the fact that both of those guys took incredibly high velocity, high power moves through those tables, you just, you got to give it up to them because they put their bodies out there for this one. Yeah, Falcon Just, Arrow isn't a move that you usually do off the top rope through a table. And no. It, yeah. No, no. This had no. some moments. This match had moments for sure. Just one of the wildest Tanahashi matches I've ever seen. I was saying earlier, I haven't seen every Tanahashi match that's ever been out there, but this has got to be up there as one of the uh, the craziest ones, and I don't mean to use that word hmm. any yeah. other way than just, it was crazy. Yeah, and especially if it's not what Tanahashi usually does, and he's seems like a type that wants to prove that he can do any style of match. And he he got you know he checked that box. He did his uh, his plunder match. Um, I'm kind of starting to feel for Kenzo, and I'm thinking about it after that. Plus the uh, the Noah match earlier in the week. Um, yeah, he needs a couple nights off. Poor guy. He needs to go to sleep. Um, put, a, put a bump card in the fridge and let it ice up for a little bit. Uh, yeah, he his uh, his head, his eye was busted open or something. So, yeah, we'll say uh, big ups to Kenta. We'll see more of him mm-hmm. next year, I'm sure. But uh, I, I love how he's developed since coming to New Japan. He's he's so different than he was, and I, I like watching how he grows and seeing what he does. And I couldn't have predicted it, uh, any of where he's at. Although I got to say, I do miss his relationship with Yoshashi's bow. Um, last year, that was one of my favorite. Or the uh, God, what was that? Was it the first G one he was in, or maybe the second G one that he had this like ongoing story with the post match camera? Oh, that was the second one. The second, yeah, yeah, that was that. that was really good too. It was very, um, very meta for pro wrestling. Yeah, I, yes, I, I, Japanese or otherwise, it was. Um, yeah, he's what what an artist <laughs> um, and took a treasure. <laughs> All right, let's let's do the the grand finale, which did feel like the grand freaking finale. We had Osprey and Okada. They've torn houses down before. The G one match they had two years ago at Korakuen was like like watching an action movie. Um, this both 
wrestlers were when, when we say top of top of your game like these two were trying they, they were trying to do everything that they did in the ring they tried to do it the best that they could it felt like everything was 110 percent um osprey talk about high you know, heights osprey did a moonsault off the damn uh, uh what was it the the lighting the fixture yeah the trust um he did something similar a couple of years ago right and uh, it was in a the, match. yeah in the four-way the junior four-way he did the same thing yeah, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but this is pretty undeniably the match of of the week and and could be match of the year. I don't know. I need to rewatch because you know, we get a little delirious at 4ish in the morning or how, how whatever time it is, but um yeah, this was next level. And I I've never seen Okada work. Like he was really working the pace of Osprey. He was working Osprey's pace for sure. Um, which I always find interesting about Okada because he can really adapt and not in a forced way. He really can get into the other person's mindset or their style set. Um, yeah, this was fast paced. This was even fast paced for an Okada match. I felt like, and it was still over 30 minutes, I believe. So yeah, yeah it was 32 something. Yeah. What are your takeaways from, from this? Not, not just uh, on the match itself, but going forward. Uh, what, how do you feel about Osprey? Where does he fit into the picture going forward? Um, what were your initial thoughts after you caught the match, guys? Chris, how you know, about you? I, oh, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, sure. Um, Osprey looked great, even though we haven't seen him in a New Japan ring in, you know, however long since May, right? So he looked really good. He's still clearly at the top of his game. And he he had done plenty of great matches, both stateside as well as in the UK. He's he he's been busy for sure. Um so that that was my first major takeaway. Second major takeaway was that Osprey has adapted his style but can still tap into some of that junior style stuff, which I think makes him a perfect opponent for Okada. Um, especially when it comes to things like reversals or getting into different, you know, different spots, different positions that, you know, some of the more heavyweight guys aren't going to do. So that was awesome. I think a couple of surprising spots like Okada doing someone else's move. Okada gave uh, Osprey a Stormbreaker. And I thought yeah, that, that was great. interesting. Yeah, it looked really good. It looked the uh, same. It looks, yeah. It was, it was perfectly executed. I thought that, you know, a lot of people will do the Rainmaker, right? A lot of people right. just, they're going to, they're going to do the Rainmaker as part of their, you know, shtick to get, to get heat. But, um, Okada doing a, a move that is so uniquely Will Ospreay's, right? Hmm. Stormbreaker. That was cool. And I thought that that was actually kind of a, a hat tip towards Osprey as someone who's going to be going to continue to be important, but is also has been important to new Japan so far. So that was, that was one of those moments that I kind of notched in my brain as well as when will finally kicked out of a rainmaker and not that that is, um, sacrilege or, or super different for anything in, in new Japan, but will's never done it. Will's always eaten one rainmaker and lost. And he, that, that kind of stuff usually factors in heavily. Right. Uh, if you if you can't beat somebody or you can't kick out of their finisher, that will be the thread or the story going into like a match a year from then or something. So right, and they right. protect the rainmaker too. No, not many people 
they really protect certain people's moves. Like the one winged angel was so still. protected. Yeah, yeah. Even still rainmaker. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, the big match. It, it'll get a kick out. Um, especially if it's like after a sequence and it's not like the built up rainmaker. Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, Osprey kicked out of a real deal, you know, ripcord rainmaker, um, which was, I think that was a big deal. So, um, you know, beyond that, like those were the moments, I guess, that I thought were really important. You know, I think the story continues to be and will continue to be. Will Ospreay needs to beat Kazuchika Okada in the Tokyo Dome, like in a main event. Like this is the new Nito story, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's with Okada again, which is cool because Okada's the reason Will's here. Um, so, but I think that that's going to be, and, and maybe Will's going to pull a win at Eddie on arena or something or Corkin for the G one, but it's still going to be that one at the Tokyo dome that he, he can't get right. And now we've done it two years in a row and he's lost two years in a row. So like now I think it's gotta be in this building that that big win happens. Yeah. You know, Akata and Osprey have taken over as the, for me, as the longest running, most important storyline throughout all of new Japan. It's superseded everything else. Uh, it's been going on four or five years at this point, uh, from the point that he's come into chaos. Now that they've had their main event match, this is hardly the last time that they're ever going to see each other. I think Samson's right on the money that they're going to have another match and Osprey is going to have this big win one day because, you know, you, you don't perform like that. You don't be that level of talent and not become just the mega star that everyone wants to cheer for you one day. So, this was one of my favorite Wrestle Kingdom main events. Probably, I enjoyed it more than any of the Ibushi Naito main events in the last couple of years. Jay White, this one just it. If you watched all the Osprey Okada matches, you would likely identify moments in each one in which they made a callback into this match too. It is that kind of special situational match that they're not just building up for a year. They're not just building up for two years. This was this was thousands of days in the making. Uh, ten matches throughout five, four years. Junior heavyweight champion versus heavyweight champion. Uh, G1 matches. Everything across the board. And uh, it felt the weight of it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't, I don't care what the star rating was, but it was probably one of the best matches. Uh, I'm going to see this year. Probably one of the best matches of last year. If you wanted to classify it into that one as the chapter break for uh, New Japan in 2021, everything across the board. I I have a lot of good things and very little bad to say about it. Maybe the only thing is I'm not sure the Osprey moonsault was necessary after the high five flow off the ladder of the match before. I'm glad he's okay, but. If you took that out, I think my feelings on the match would be exactly the same. I, I do want to bring way. up, I quickly want to bring up Osprey getting the star treatment with his intro. Um, mm-hmm. He had this big kind of pre um, intro song, like this whole mm-hmm. video production thing. He came off like a star, like a big yeah. deal. So, um, and I think that that level of investment and in putting him in this match and, and all that, like he was, Osprey was also really clear in his post match that he, uh, he's 
quote unquote back in New Japan and he's not going anywhere and he's going to be here for a long time. And um, he he felt really good that he had kicked out of that Rainmaker. He wishes he could have won, obviously, but he was clear that like this is his home promotion. This is the place that he's going to do his work. So um, for anyone who had any questions, like he was at the opposite of Jay White last year after Jan- his January 5th loss, which got the world a buzz that Jay White was on the move, um, which is a great promo in its right. Yeah. Too. I mean, that it was, was it's a it's a memorable promo, which is it, different for New Japan, to be honest. So he's but, still yeah, there. People were watching. I can't believe people bid on it, though, because I, I, I just thought it was a great promo. I mean, it was obvious he's not leave. This guy was he's like a five year. Con- he's like New Japan Dojo train he's the first four new he's their baby boy it's like and it was clearly in character it's like i mean it was very in character um but Um, his character is cool heel so he's he's kind of real guy so but will was will was the opposite he was like this the he was humbled i guess maybe a little bit so and i think maybe that's a wrinkle to add to the united empire dynamic too where you've got couple guys who are not humble even in loss uh in mm-hmm. great Khan and, and jeff cobb and then you've got will who maybe is you know at least gonna toe that line a little bit more which could be a, a fun a fun wrinkle and it's clear we, we didn't mention before but when uh osprey was in the six man on the night before they did this gimmick where he came in his versace robe and he sat in a chair and he didn't want to break a sweat before his match with whomever it may be the next night that was that was the story so he was clearly being uh, Mr. Cocky, Mr. Arrogant. He's got his perm, brillo pad thing going on there. He's got his new look. Um, he main event heel, main event heel. But like Chris said, I think this might be a story, like a, a seed of some, like his slow transformation from uh, whoever this character Will Osprey is now, cocky, arrogant heel to you know wherever the plan is with him in the future. Well, when Osprey gets that win over Okada in the Tokyo Dome, it's going to happen, right? Uh, mm-hmm. All things, if everything stays the same as it is right now, he's going to get that win. If if people don't want him to get that win, it's meaningless, right? So right. eventually, you got to get to the point where people are itching for that Osprey win over Okada. So mm-hmm. that's you got to plant those seeds as you go, even if he reverts right back to it, even if just in this post match, he's got. Um, He's got a little bit, a little bit of humility. Then mm. you can always go back to that the way that they always do. Thing about Osprey is you may not like him, but you're always going to have to respect him. And I think people should also realize how popular he is in Japan, like with Japanese crowds. Mm. Um, he's loved. I mean, he he has the look. He he does things that nobody can do. I mean, he's pretty as far as a wrestler you can't not say wow to all the stuff that he does. It's insane. He's insane. Um, Yeah. I think he's going to be the thing that what happened earlier this year, you know, I don't know the whole deal because it was a weird situation. It wasn't, he got hurt and there was the, the travel situation and it it was funky and he was out and he, he traveled around the world. He wrestled in England. He wrestled in the States a little bit, but uh, yeah, it felt real life kind of impacted the flow of uh, the 2021 new Japan year for sure. And uh, so 
now that there's there's no Olympics this year, there's give it, me a summer G one. Yeah, please. yeah. I, I, and I don't. They didn't nothing, announce anything the last night past, for G one. Nothing they past Dominion, do. right? No, they, they usually do. Off. They do, and yeah. they're going to come back to the Fukuoka Dome. That's a big deal. But that's they, cool. They, yeah, they usually say they're going to do like uh, they uh, lay out the calendar. Hall. Yeah, yeah, but they didn't. So we'll right. see. So I wonder if they're yeah they may be waiting on buildings and building sizes based on pandemic stuff, right? So yeah. but I was uh, when they started to do the calendar announcements, I was like, just tell me when the G one starts. <laughs> if it's if it's in whatever July, then we're a go. You know, I, yeah. I if, October if is tough. On, yeah, because you need that time to build the story. Mm-hmm. to january and it felt rushed both times i mean you, you do what you do but yeah hopefully it's a little more normalcy when it comes it's a to lot easier to wake up at four in the morning for me too uh <laughs> all summer as opposed to the fall right like it's huge right. it makes a huge difference in my life and i need them to accommodate that for me <laughs> um I, I mean that that's the show i, I we just hit over two hours. Is there anything that we, that we didn't hit? I think this is a very extensive and, and thorough and great recap. And I don't feel like I need to watch any Wrestle Kingdom for the rest of the week. Although I, I might, I might rewatch the uh, Osprey Okada match yeah. because, um, yeah, there were just some spots in it that I was, you know, I was a little drowsy, but uh, like there was a, he caught Okada midair with a, in a Liger bomb. Do you yeah. That? Yes. What? That well, he caught him like insane. out of a drop kick almost. Uh, he caught him mid yeah. drop kick and power bombed him, and it looked like a damn video game. <laughs> like just yeah. yeah, and I yeah, I got that's something I might revisit. But yeah, there's the Noah versus uh, New Japan show coming up this week, and it'll be on New Japan uh, World within two weeks, a week after it airs. But um, all right, before we wrap up, let's let's share our contacts. So, sportofprowrestling.com, Chris. Where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, Twitter is at the Chris Samsa. Um, there you will find me dropping random miscellaneous knowledge bombs and rarely my opinion. So I like <laughs> to keep I, I like to keep the Twitter opinion clean and I, I, I bring the opinions to these types of things. So I'm strictly facts on the uh, on the Twitterverse, which I'm keeps sure me out of a lot of trouble. Really appreciates that. <laughs> they you know, they don't seem upset by it. Yeah. So, you know, low key, low key on the Twitter. And Jeremy, where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me at Jer Finestone. You will find less knowledge bombs for me there and more opinion pieces filling in the gap where uh, Samsa is uh, focusing otherwise because my hot takes are usually either hot or tepid, but never. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm at Justin M. Nipper, K-N-I-P-P-E-R on Twitter. Uh, I'm just posting some bullshit posting the support the fight game stuff and if i mean it's it's over now but uh jeremy and chris helped out with the the previews uh chris contributed some preview uh like preview words for us if you want to check out fightgamemedia.com uh and also that's there and also uh we have the fight game media network plus on patreon so go to patreon.com backslash fight game media for all kinds of cool super awesome Patreon podcasts and other goodies and an archive of last year's awesome stuff. I'm saying awesome too much. I'm tired. I'm tired. All right. This podcast was awesome. That's right. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Highest tension. Nice. I'm Justin. We'll see you guys next time.